welcome back. This is Terrence Reardon, and welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Welcome back. This is my show now, and those assholes, the spick and the mick, were unbearable to deal with. So now I take over. So get a beverage, grab some food, pull up a chair, and sit back and hear me school your asses and listen to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And you better like it, you son of a bitch. Slow your roll, Chromadone. I'm not going to give up the show that fucking easy. Suck on my knob. Ah, shit, I fucked that up. Uh, this is the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, and I am bringing you the beginning of the end of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's hard to come out of my mouth. Um, but this show is ending. But... Um, there was a lot of people who paid for episodes and I'm going to honor all those episodes. So let's just get into it right now. Um, the Rocky metal combat podcast is no more. Ralph. Uh, well, I shouldn't say Ralph and I, Ralph decided to leave the show effectively ending the Rocky metal combat podcast. And everybody's asking, Oh, what happened? Uh, oh, you know, how, how, how could this happen? Well, pretty much I pissed Ralph off. I, I said something that, uh, made Ralph mad and it ended in, uh, screw you. I quit, uh, was the last text message I got. And, um, that's it. There is no rock and metal combat podcast, uh, without Ralph and myself. But there is a lot of motherfuckers who paid for episodes. And I'm going to honor that shit the best I can. It's not going to be the same. Um, Rock and Metal Combat podcast was Ralph and myself and what we brought to this. And the way we would argue and, and laugh and have fun and all this shit. But it's over now. Uh not my choice. What can I say? Uh, you guys, there's no way that Ralph and I would have made it to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, uh, or the Rock and Pod Expo, I should say, the last three years without your awesome donations. Um, you know, the fan paid episodes. And I'm going to honor that shit because you put, you lay down your hard earned money for the show you believed in. Uh, to help us build the Rock and, uh, Rock and Pod Expo, to get us there, and I'm going to honor it. I don't like the way it ended. I mean, shit, I even, I even asked, T, I, I asked Ice-T how it ended, and Ice-T said, He went out like a bitch! You know, it, it's fucked up, and people are upset, you know, they're like, oh my god, this is my favorite show, and I get you. Because this was my favorite show, too. I love this shit. I thought, well, no, fuck that. I don't thought, or I don't think. We were the greatest podcast ever, ever. But 
Ralph decided uh, not only he wanted to end our friendship, but end the uh, podcast. Uh, but I'm not going to leave you guys hanging. That's all it is, man. Uh, I love what we created here. I love the family. This shit's not going to end. Uh, the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page is not going to end. The name is going to change uh, because I was very influential in building this page and adding what it was and I'm going to do a new show and if you guys want to stay here that's amazing if you want to leave you're like eh I don't get it you can go you know there's no judgment I'm going to keep moving on Ralph's going to keep moving on um, Ralph is amazing Ralph is the greatest Ralph Vieira there is and he's going to do his shit, and I'm going to do my shit. It's going to be different. But, uh, you know, hey, you can have two great shows. You know, Ralph can be on YouTube and do his Grand Illusion versus The Elder versus Mothra. And I can talk about gay albums that I love. And everybody's happy. But uh, not much I can do. He left the fucking show, and uh, that's the end of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. But I am not going to dishonor the people who donated, you know, who paid for Ralph and I to go to these last three rockin' pods, you know, and not only paid for us, but made rockin' pod possible. I, I take great pride in what our show did in the evolution of this. And I'm going to honor every fucking request, whether we did it or not. You know, there's a couple episodes that Ralph and I did that never got aired. Uh, We did a Trouble episode that never got aired. We did uh, a Down episode that never got aired. But Ralph has the audio of those, but we ain't exactly fucking talking. So I don't think I'll get those, but I'm going to redo them. I am going to do all the fan episodes with special guests. Uh... Other great podcast hosts, uh, fan favorites who have been on the show that I'm going to ask to partake in these episodes. And the fan episodes are all going to come up under the guise of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Because I didn't leave this shit. He did. His choice. But I'm going to honor all this stuff because you motherfuckers paid for this. You made it. You've done everything to make Rocket. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, what it was. Um, I'm going to do what I got to do. I am starting a new show with a new host. That will be announced soon on Decibel Geek Podcast. Check out Decibel Geek Podcast every week with the great Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. But I'm going to do a new show, and it's not going to be Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. It's going to be something different. I hope you guys like it. If you do, great. If you don't, case or I had a rough, rough, rough fucking year last year. Went through a lot of shit. But what I did learn is if I can make it through last year, everything else is fucking gravy. You know, I lost the woman I love not once but twice. You know, my mother's very ill. All kinds of shit happened. Uh, my car blew up. <laughs> I mean, all this shit. But if I can make it through that, I can make it through anything. And I'm going to keep doing shows and uh, try to entertain you guys, make you laugh, 
make you smile, take your mind off your daily bullshit. Um, it's just not going to be around. It is what it is, but I will definitely honor the spirit of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And these last episodes will be listed under the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. It's going to be, you know, the, the same way you find the other episodes. It's going to be on there. Uh, but while that's going on, and once it's done, I got a new show that's going to be announced soon. Uh, and it's going to be something different. You guys might like it. You might not like it. But I'm going to keep doing me. Ralph and I had a great fucking thing going, but it came to an end. But you know what? I'm not Garfunkel. You know, Ralph and I were like fucking McCartney and Lennon. You had two crazy motherfuckers going that were just as important. And uh, we split up, you know. So you got Wings and you got John Lennon. You know, I'm not going to go into why we split up because it, it's stupid. It's stupid. The reason we split up is like the stupidest fucking thing ever. But people break up over stupid shit. And it is what it is. But I respect each and every one of you that love this show and the people who paid for this shit. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do whatever. I'm sorry it's not me and Ralph fighting over the albums that you paid for. But I'm going to do what I can do to honor what you did, what you paid for. And I can't think of a better way uh, to start the whole beginning of the end of the beginning or whatever the fuck you want to call it than to have the one and only Greg Barnes with me today. Hello! Oh, hey, darling. How you doing? Oh, fabulous. All right. Well, thank you for joining, because this is a hard one. This is a hard one. I don't I don't have Ralph here to bounce off of, but at least I can bounce off your chin. Hey, you know what? That's okay. I'm just here to do my job. Oh, and, and, and you do your job well. <laughs> All right. I'll try. So, so let's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, and it, and it sucks that Ralph's not here, but um, eh, fuck him. <laughs> let's, let, let, let's just move on, and we'll pretend like this is a normal show. And uh, we'll go to the news. And I think the news is going to be great with you, because our news is not normally your news. So you can have, uh, you, you can have a unique perspective on what we're talking about. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. All right. Uh, let me see something here. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find a news story that's worthy. And I'm scrolling through, and it's a lot of bullshit. Let me go to the next page. Ah, uh, blah, blah, blah. All right. Gary Holt hopes that Exodus has a new album out before the end of 2020. Uh, Greg, are, are, are you a thrash metal fan at all? Uh, not really a, I would say, a follower of thrash. Like, I... I listen to some songs, I've listened to some stuff, but I'm not what you would call, say, a classic metalhead or a, a follower, really, because that would just come off as being, you know, rather rather phony, but, you know, I, I can dig some thrash. 
All right, like, 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 what's the thrashiest you get? The, the thrashiest I get? Well, I would consider early Metallica. Yeah. Okay, but you dig early Metallica? Yeah. All right. Out of out of the big four, who would be your favorite band? Out of the big four, um, well, I'm most familiar with Metallica. Um, I have. Uh, Spreading Disease by Anthrax. Um, and I have a couple Megadeth albums. But I would probably say out of all of them, uh, Metallica would be the one I'm most familiar with. All right. What What about Exodus? Do you know shit from Exodus or no? I uh, can't say that I'm overly familiar, so I'll have to go with a no on that one. Awesome. That's an honest guest reaction, and I dig it. Uh, but I'm looking forward to New Exodus, and uh, man, they have a hell of a lineup right now. I mean, you still got Tom on drums, you got the great Jack Gibson on bass, uh, Gary Holt, uh, you got Lee on uh, lead guitar, you got Zetro on vocals. Uh, man, New Exodus sounds good to me, but uh. You know, Greg Barnes is like, fuck it. I'm probably just going to listen to Elton John. So, who cares? <laughs> and he's got some heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. let's see what else is going on in the news. Uh, Machine Head just canceled a show due to flu and strep throat. Um, if you were in a touring band, Greg... Uh, would you cancel the show due to that, or would you try to fight through it? Well, uh, that's, that's a very good question, because it, it's a very situational thing. Um, I would absolutely would hate to cancel any performance if I was billed on there and had to fulfill everything, and that would, that would be tragic if, you know, you come down with a condition or an illness and it impedes your ability to perform, and I would never would like to be in a in a position like that, and there's really no. What what kind of position would you like to be in? A position that's comfortable, a, okay. a, a position that doesn't require me to be in any pain, oh. um, and a position that just makes me happy. All right. So, which would which would mean I will fulfill anything that's required of me. I will do my duty. Nice. You are, you are a very willing partner. You, you sound like a great musician. Hey, you know, I, I try to make noise, so there you go. Awesome. All right, well, here's a band I know you love. Uh, is Queen. Oh, you're, yes. You're a big Queen fan. And uh, Fox is going to air coverage... Of uh, Firefight Australia, uh, and that's going to be a concert that's going to fig- uh, feature Queen with Adam Lambert. Um, I think Alice Cooper is going to be part of this. A- as a big Queen fan, how do you feel about uh, Queen and Adam-, Adam Lambert? Are you are you happy about that? Does that fulfill your Queen needs, or uh, you know, does it does it lessen your Queen experience? How do you feel about that? Well, that's a, that's a very good question. To 
to be honest, because, um, I, as you know, I was born in 1990, so I had no way of experiencing the original Queen eras at all. And, you know, Freddie passed away when I was one and a half, so I never got to experience seeing Queen in their prime with Freddie or anything like that. So the best ways for me to get a taste of the magic would be either to listen to live shows, you know, listen to the albums, watch concerts, or uh, or see the Queen Plus collaborations that have gone on since the mid-2000s, like the Queen Plus Paul Rogers and, and the Queen Plus Adam Lambert stuff. Now, over the years, my, my view of the whole um, Adam Lambert thing has sort of... Um, shifted sort of mellowed out about about it because i'll tell you this straight up in the beginning going way back to when adam first sang with the members of queen on american idol i was not a fan um i did not like the style he was doing i thought he was overdoing it way too much did not like the tone of the voice now you know accomplished singer no doubt but like it it, it was kind of like pouring sand in the gasoline tank of your car you know, it didn't wasn't really a good mixture there, and for a while I was I wasn't really overly keen over the collaboration. I like now I understand why they were why Queen, the main members of Queen, Brian and Roger were doing this, but it was like, man, you know, I see what they're doing, but it's just not for me. It's not clicking, you know, and it's like I wanted to support them so bad, but I wasn't you know, keen on what they were doing, and I was really conflicted. And I still had, you know, all the old Queen albums. I had the Freddie Mercury era stuff. So that stuff you can never take away. I mean, Queen's legacy, their original legacy, is will always be intact, no matter what. No matter how effed up certain decisions can be, no matter what happens, that original era of Queen, that legacy cannot be tarnished at all with with the magic of John Deacon, Freddie Mercury, Brian May, Roger Taylor. Um, but over the years, I've, you know, I've slowly warmed up to uh, Adam Lambert. Um, I feel that nowadays he has improved dramatically, you know, since he's first started to sing with the band. I think his tone has gotten better. I think he's toned down a lot of the vocal gymnastics and over-singing. Um... And, you know, for me, he's a lot more tolerable. I have seen um, Queen and Adam Lambert six times going back to uh, 2014. And, you know, it's the closest I can get to, you know, seeing a show with the Queen name. You know, it's, it, it's you know, it's not Freddie Mercury. Uh, Adam would be the first person to tell you that he's not Freddie Mercury he can't fill his shoes. He'd be the first to tell you all that stuff. He's just, you know, he's just honoring Freddie by singing the material. And 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 thanks to these Queen Plus collaborations, thanks to, you know, Brian and Roger and the movie, Queen has become more popular nowadays than compared with their with their 70s prime in the US. They're they're more popular now than when Crazy Little Think I'll Love Another One and Another One Bites the Dust were huge. They're more popular compared to 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, it's it is not it's officially cool 
in America to like Queen now due to all the factors and there's a new generation of Queen fans that are that are coming out and you know getting into this band they are purchasing the albums they're purchasing vinyl record records of these albums which is very surprising they are following the live material in a similar way than when I started doing it uh, so it's it's awesome to see that all this stuff is bringing all these new fans aboard and and so while obviously I prefer Freddie over Paul Rogers and Adam Lambert obviously is singing with Queen you know I respect the fact that they're out there still touring and bringing more uh focus to the queen name and allowing the younger generations to kind of get a glimpse of of the band so nowadays you know i'm all right with adam he's no freddie but who is so that's my take on it you know i would rather see jim j bullock uh than freddie than uh, adam lambert but uh i don't think jim j bullock is still alive <laughs> is is he? Does anybody know? Is Jim J. Bullock still alive? Is that an option? Um. Uh, well. Um. Well, he's he's still around. Man, this is rough. I I mean, how do you replace Freddie Mercury? I mean, that's just you can't. It, yeah, you, you can't. But there's a certain amount of people that don't give a fuck. They just want to hear the songs. Uh, they don't care who's singing them. They just want to hear, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, Fat Bottom Girls, um, you know, whatever. I, I feel like the integrity and the spirit of, of Queen, who admittedly I'm not a huge fan of. I mean, of course, you were on our legendary uh, Innuendo episode. Uh, I think that's a horrible album uh, by a band that's Fairly overrated, but I do have respect for Queen. Uh, but I think this shit is just running the integrity into the ground. I, you know, Adam Lambert is no Freddie Mercury at all. And what I think he just happens to be a gay man who can sing. But to me, Freddie Mercury was much more than a gay man who could sing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's a different level. He was more than that. That's getting marginalized. Uh, so you can't just replace him with any gay guy who can sing and prance around and do all this and do costume changes. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't give a shit because I'm not a big Queen fan. Um... Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm just curious how Queen fans feel about it, because it doesn't bother me. Well, um, <clears throat> there's there's different factions. There, there are a lot of people who are in the same boat as you um, that don't like the collaboration. And, you know, they have the, you know, no Freddie, no Queen sort of outlook, and they refuse to follow anything after innuendo or made in heaven or the late right. 90s depending on you know where you place the uh the benchmark right um, but but I, I will say i think adam lambert's a better fit than paul rogers i mean that's like oh uh 
you know, we're going to replace the lead guy from the village people with the dude from 38 special. <laughs> it, it, you know, like, like Queen with Paul Rogers made no fucking sense to me. No fucking sense. I mean, Paul Rogers has a great voice, an iconic voice. But I, 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 I do not equate, Paul, you know, bad company with Queen at all. You know? I mean, that, that, that was just horrible. I don't give a fuck how good you could sing. Yes, you know, if you're going to do Queen, you need somebody who's going to prance and there's going to be a certain... Uh, ah, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, alaganza, extravaganza. You know, you need somebody who's going to be... There's going to be some pageantry, but you also need that voice. But there is no voice like... Freddie Mercury, you know, there's no Adam, Adam Lambert is no fucking Freddie Mercury, you know, he's not a creator, he's an imitator, so, you know, you got all that, but like, is it worth it, like, like for you, as, as a big Queen fan, do you love Queen so much that you would like to see somebody imitate it, or would you rather just see it go away and remember what whatever memories you have, even though you're very young, would you rather see it just go away, or do you think this <coughs> excuse me, should be celebrated and exaggerated? Well, very, inter <coughs> very interesting. Um, I don't, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see them, you know, die off like that, because it would you know, kind of cheat the fans who weren't given an opportunity to see the, uh, you know, any sort of magic that would happen with the original members of Queen. Like, for example, if it weren't for people like <laughs> Paul Rogers and Adam Lambert, um, I wouldn't have been able to see Brian and Roger to play live at all, unless it was like some special guest thing at some festival or, or an event. So... And I, and I can understand both sides a bit. Um, I, I respect them both. Uh, you know, Paul Rogers and Adam Lambert as vocalists. I think they're both extremely talented singers in their own right. But, you know, neither of them can replace Freddie Mercury. And and it, it's not the same as, you know, having Freddie Mercury up there singing those songs. I mean, you can, you can find a bunch of singers out there who can who have a good range and it can hit those notes, but it's not just about hitting notes or, or, or you know, doing a certain tone. It, it, it's a lot more than that. It's about chemistry and magic. And, you know, Freddie was, as you said, he wasn't just some guy who had a good voice, who was flamboyant and camp and, and stuff. You know, he... He was a, a very, very creative soul, a fantastic musician, an over-the-top, you know, personality, and, you know, he, he was a great dude, and just, I mean, you can't, you can't replace somebody like that at all. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to, well, if, you know, if the remaining members of Queen, should they stop, or should they keep going, um, you know... For me, I would still continue to see them. You know, and this is just my own stance on it. You know, I'm not talking for anybody else or trying to convince anybody to do so. 
but you know i you know obviously i never saw the original queen so there's that but it's like you know they're my favorite band and i i i have to make up for the fact that you know i was not born at the right time i i want to see brian and roger still play while they're while they're still good at what they do i i don't want to see them when they're you know struggling on stage or anything so at this point as of this moment um you know they're they're still playing very well for for their ages they're still fire left um and they're still having a good time so for me personally i don't have a problem with what they're doing and it's but you know if if i'm starting to see you know the the wheels coming off the, the car or you know the train starting to derail and I'm starting to see some you know signs that you know things are starting to end I, I, you know I'll be a little bit more hesitant but as of this moment you know I, I will still go to see them live if they come into my neck of the woods and you know I appreciate what they do and it allows me to, to experience the, them at the live shows so well, as of now I'm, I'm good Okay, so basically what you're saying to make a short story long, like if Ralph wasn't on the podcast no more, you would still listen to hear the final episodes that were paid for by the fans, right? I would, yes. Okay, good answer. Good answer. Uh, number one answer on the board. <laughs> all, right, all right, Richard. Uh, um... <laughs> all right, let's move on. Next story. Have you heard the new Ozzy Osbourne record? Uh, Ordinary uh... Man. Uh, I can't say that I heard the record. I heard the song you did with Elton John. Yeah, what would you think about that? Oh, you, you know, that's that's a really good question because I've had some people ask me about that. And it's like, I don't know what to think, to be honest, because, you know, I, I don't think it's an amazing song by any stretch of the imagination. I, I love Elton's part in it. But it's like, the, the way I see it is, it has potential to be good, but it's like, it's almost like it's undercooked. It's almost like it's a cake missing a shitload of ingredients. It's like, it's, it's there, the foundation for a great song is there, but it's not clicking. It's like it's missing a bunch of stuff, and it's like, I'm very conflicted about it. I, I don't think it's absolutely terrible. It's like it's not the worst thing I've heard, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not, it's not clicking for me. I mean, am I supposed to like it because it's got Elton on it? I, I, I don't know what to think, but I mean, I'll I listened to it a couple times just to see if it would grow on me, and sadly, it has not grown on me. I mean, the best I could say is I can see what they were trying to do, and I like Elton's part, but. That's about it. I mean, and, and I read some savage reviews about the song on, on some of those groups. So um, I don't know where you stand on it personally, but I'd be inter interested to hear what you think since, you know, you're a, you're a huge Ozzy fan. So what's your well, take on it? it well, I, I, th I think it's the worst Ozzy album I've ever heard by far. I, I think it's absolutely apprehensibly bad. Um, the, 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 the brightest point of it is Elton John. 
believe it or not, not Post Malone. I know a lot of you are like, oh, yeah, he's going to like the Post Malone song. Uh, songs, I should say, because there's two Post Malone songs. Uh, oh, it's it's apprehensibly bad. Um, I think it's a half-ass performance by both of them. Uh, I think it's mailed in by both of them. And it's unfortunate because it's two great artists. I love Elton John. I love Ozzy. Uh, but it's it, it's mailed in by both of them. It feels forced. It feels I don't know. It's just it's terrible. It it, it it's it's some bad shit, man. It's undercooked soup. It's uh oh uh, you know. And I, I'm not just talking about this song. The album as a whole. What a it is the worst Ozzy album ever. Um, but I mean, I mean, you want to talk about you know a headline grabber is a duet between you know Ozzy and, and Elton. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It feels forced. It feels like oh, my manager said this would be a good idea. Oh, Sharon said it'd be a good idea too. Uh, it doesn't feel necessary. It's. Uh, it's 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 sad. It's oh, uh, yeah, sad. Sad is the best way I can come up with it. But uh, fuck it. We'll keep moving through the news. You know, we don't want to end on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair point. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, here's another Queen and Adam Lambert story. Nobody cares about but you. Uh, <laughs> All right, we can move on. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, not, not 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 a lot of great. Uh, not a lot of great music uh, news that we can talk about. Oh, uh, Joey Kramer finally rejoined Aerosmith. Yeah, I, I, I read that. What a, what a drama field shit fest that is. Uh, and I gotta say, I, I felt great uh, that there was all this drama, you know, with, with Aerosmith and Joey Kramer. Uh, like he's not up to snuff, he's not this, and then uh, you know they, they do a show without him, and it was a total shit show, <laughs> you know. And and that that's karma. That's karma biting you in the fucking ass. Um, and I, I I didn't watch like you know the the snippets of of him back with Aerosmith because honestly I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck about Aerosmith at this point. Are you a big Aerosmith fan? Uh, I like a decent amount of their stuff. The first thing I ever got was the OEAC, you know, Greatest Hits compilation way back in, you know, 2005 or six or something like that. And I have... What, what are you fucking... Stuff. What are you fucking 12? How old are you? Well, I, I, turn, uh, I turn 30 next month. You turn 30. Okay, so I'm getting ready to turn 46. Okay, who gives a fuck what you think? You have no idea, Aerosmith. Hey, I like their 70s stuff. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right. Let's see. We're going to keep scrolling here. Oh, God. You have no Aerosmith, they used to be a great band, believe it or not. True story. Oh, I agree. I, I'm, true, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of... Uh... A lot of 70, post-70 stuff. Well, I, I thought Pump was a 
solid effort. And, but everything, anything after that's like not really big on it at all. Oh god. Okay. A bunch of stories I don't care about. Oh my god. I'm Nothing. Okay, here's something. Here, here's something. Well, a lot of people are gonna be like, I don't give a flying fuck. Some people are like, Hey, that's cool. What, what do you think about John Frusciante re rejoining Red Hot Chili Peppers? Are you a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan? Uh, casual fan at best. So I'm not really the best person to ask when it comes to members re rejoining stuff. But I do appreciate John Frusciante's playing. So. If he's back, you know that that's cool. So yeah, uh, I, I'm something. I, I love I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, really do. Uh, wasn't a fan of what they did after Frusciante left, uh, but I was an even bigger fan. Well, when he initially left and they got Dave Navarro, I loved One Hot Minute. I thought that was a great fucking album. I thought that was a really good fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers album. But a lot of people are like, eh, you know, when they got Frusciante back. I think they did some good songs when Frusciante got back. But to me, they didn't do anything that touched uh, One Hot Minute or, uh, uh, you know, Mother's Milk or uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Uh, but I'm glad he's back because the other guy to me was a very pale imitation Uh of John Frusciante. Like, he tried to play, like, Frusciante style, but it didn't work, and he didn't help the writing, so I would love to see the Chili Peppers come back and put out a really good album, but to me, you know, you can't come back with, like, no Stadium Arcadium or fucking Californication bullshit. You gotta come out with something that's, like, as good as fucking Blood Sugar or Mother's Milk. Uh, you know, I think that would be awesome. But if you can't come back at that level, then you're just trying to sell some t-shirts and I could give a fuck less. Uh, okay, well, you're not a big Chili Peppers fan. Let's find out. Uh, let's see. Try to find... Oh, God. Who cares about Alter Bridge? Not me. <laughs> not me. Not me. Are, are you familiar with Alter Bridge, Greg? I only know the lead singer's name and that's it. So, yeah, well, well, you know more than me. I know what he looks like, but I don't even <laughs> know him by name. That, that, that's some horrible shit. Yeah, I, I, I'll pass on it. All I'll right. to admit, I don't know. So. All right, here's a story that's been going like, man, I, I see like 57 different versions of the same story. But it's all about Billy Sheehan, like whether he was asked to join Van Halen or asked not to join Van Halen, or whether he accepted or whether he didn't. Um, man, to me, that's just weird. Like, I couldn't imagine Billy Sheehan and Van Halen. To me, that would just be too much. Uh, too much going on. Because... You've already got, like, the greatest guitar player. You've got the greatest front man. Uh, if you take away Mike Anthony and you add, like, one of the greatest bass players, to me, it's just too busy. Uh, but there's been all this talk about, like, Eddie wanted to kick Michael Anthony out from, like, the third album on, you know, Women Children First. 
uh, you know, and add somebody who he thought was like his equivalent, but on base. Uh, I I think it would have ruined the whole dynamic. I think Michael Anthony is fucking perfect until he became an Uncle Sammy. Uh, you know, where he just said, uh, "Fuck it, I need a paycheck. I'm gonna go play with Sammy." Uh, I don't know. What do you, What do you think about Billy Sheehan being in Van Halen? Do you think that would have been like uh, what it took him to the next level, or do you think that would have been like too nerdy? You know, like just too much musicianship. Um, it it would be the scenario of having too many cooks in the kitchen because you know Billy Sheehan is a fantastic bass player, amazing right. musician, but it's like you know bands have a certain chemistry, and it, you know being you know the best at what you do and being the best band and having the most potential it's not necessarily finding the absolute best players on a skill level or a technical level it's all about chemistry i agree and and, I agree. Uh, and and stuff and it's like you know on paper it may seem like a good idea it's like yeah let's get the the a world-class guitarist with this technical monster bassist and 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 stuff on paper it sounds good but it it, on paper, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's all about what goes on, you know, in front of your face. It all goes. It's all about the chemistry, and it's like, and you can say the same things about, you know, other bands. It's like, would say would Zeppelin be the same if you took any one of the members out and replaced it with someone else? No, it wouldn't be the same band. It would totally ruin the chemistry. Uh, you know, if you took. Rush, for example, you know, you take that power trio and you replace any one of those members with someone else, no matter how good that person is, it ruins the chemistry. You know, you know, bands, it's all about chemistry and and leaning on each other and and focusing on each other's musical ideas and chemistry. And and if it's not there, it's not going to work, no matter how technically skilled you are on your respective instrument so when, when it comes to something like that yeah i think billy sheenan is amazing but he would not fit in van halen because the dynamics would be totally thrown off and as you said you know too much going on in the back even if billy would dial it down it's not going to be the same because michael anthony you know solid bass player but also has a great voice for the for the high backing vocals and it, it wouldn't be the same regardless. Well, I, I, I think you brought up some amazing points. Uh, it is all about chemistry and, uh, fuck. I mean, that, that's a very topical topic, if you will. Uh, because this is the end of, uh, the rock and metal combat podcast. And Ralph and I had a very amazing chemistry. Uh, was very much yin and yang, if you will. And uh, he brought some table, I brought some table, and we had a hell of a table. And uh, it sucks, dude. I and I, I sound like a burglar, but it sucks that the Rock and Metal po- Combat Podcast is broken up. But uh, it is what it is. But uh, 
to me, classic Van Halen is classic Van Halen. And uh, that's how I am about Rock and Metal Combat podcast. It's coming to an end, you know. I'm going to do these end episodes with special guests like yourself. You know, great, great fan listeners. Uh, you know, and, and, and other uh, great co-hosts from other shows. But, uh, all right, more news. Let's see. Do we have more news? Oh, God. No, we don't. All right, well, that's about it for news. So uh, we might as go, might as well go into the album that you paid for. This yeah, it was, some... yeah, it was uh, quite a long time ago, back last summer, I think. Oh, oh, man, I know. And shit happened. You were yeah, very oh, no. patient. Yeah, it's cool. So many people were patient, man. Uh, through the time I took time off the show and everything, and uh, you know, you guys, you guys mean the world to me. Everybody who chipped in for all this shit, man, means so much. Uh, you know, some people chipped in just to have you know their album talked about. Some people want to have their, you know, they paid to guest on the show. I am going to honor everything. Everything. Until the last fan episode is done, I'm going to keep the Rockin' Pod, uh, the Rockin' Metal Combat podcast alive. And when it's done, then it's done. Then it's all over. You know, and in between then, I have my new show that's going to start in a couple weeks. And I'm going to work both of these. But I'm going to honor everybody's request. But uh, you, Greg, are a longtime listener, longtime fan. You are a very important part of this show. And you chipped in uh, to talk about a certain album you love very much. So why don't you give a little backstory on uh, what we're talking about tonight? Well, um, the album in question... Is by Elton John. You know, it's. I think it's yeah. fairly obvious that you know Elton John is one of my favorite artists. And uh, the album in question is "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." Um, and I know it kind of sounds almost like a cliche pick to talk about when Elton albums are brought up, but I think it'll be very interesting to talk about this record because. You know, generally, it's considered to be his magnum opus. It's generally considered to be his best work. And I I do agree that it is in that amazing run of classic albums he did from 1970 through 75. I, I agree with that. But just because something is in the classic era and just because it's number one and, you know, critically acclaimed and has sold the most copies, it doesn't necessarily translate to the best work or magnum opus. I mean, the reason why I picked that was because I thought it would be a great album to talk about and see where everyone's takes will lie on this record, to see if it is truly his greatest work, if it is his his magnum opus. And... I think it'd be a great discussion and I would love to hear different viewpoints on the songs and it's Elton John's a seventh studio album. It, 
It was released in October of 73. Uh, it, it was his first uh, double LP. Um, and yes, there are a lot of classics on this album. A lot of a lot of hits. And I, I will, I'll absolutely love to talk about this album with you, Ian. And I want to hear your viewpoints and see where they line up with mine and see how they would compare to the status quo. Uh, so, you know, this album to me, I've, I first heard it a long, long time ago. I mean, I can't even tell you when I first heard songs off it. It's been so long ago. Probably grade school, middle school, something like that, when I started hearing songs off it. But um, but there are, there are several versions of this album that are released to the public. And yes, there was a 40th anniversary deluxe edition that was released back in 2014. I didn't uh, even get that shit. Uh, that, that one is basically the... You know the the standard studio album, but disc two uh, has the title of "Revisited and Beyond" on it. And basically, what it is is it's a bunch of random art artists covering songs yeah. off off of it. You have like people like uh, Ed Sheeran, Fall Out Boy, Zach, Zach Brown Band just put covers. And then it has then the other half of that that disc are are live renditions of, of those songs from uh, the Hammersmith show of 73. So, but, you know, you can get that show complete, you know, on random websites. But, um, but the version that, um, <clears throat> that we're going to be talking about on this episode is the 30th anniversary. Yes, which, yes sir. Which is the uh, which has the standard seventeen songs that 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 make up almost eighty minutes of material, and it's got four uh, bonus tracks on it. So we're going to be revealing that version of the album. So if somebody is going to listen to this and, and says, "Well, what version is this, or why isn't this song getting reviewed?" Yeah. It's just because we're doing this version of the album. Yeah, the 30th why anniversary. Why don't they talk about the Ed Sheeran version? Oh God said nobody <laughs> no i'd rather just stick with the original artist thank you yeah but uh no this is something man i'm i'm happy to talk about uh i i love love elton john uh really do and you know i i think it has to do with with the era i grew up in uh because, you know, when I was a young child, Elton John was, uh, you know, he was cool, man. He wrote great songs. He wrote great pop songs. Uh, you know, there was no weirdness. I think that there, there's a whole generation that's out now that has no idea even who he is or if they they think they know. They just know, like, oh, some fruity guy, you know, all these costumes and all this bullshit. But they don't realize how many classic awesome fucking Elton John John songs there are. And this is one that is considered, you know, like his Magnus Opus or whatever the fuck you call it, you know, like his greatest album. I don't know if I agree with that. I love this album. Uh, but I really think, like, if this was a, if they cut some songs off and it was a single album, 
I think it would be up there with like the greatest albums of all time. But I think in the state it was released in as a double album. Oh, man. You know, I, I just see Miss Potential. Uh, I, I see this as, as an album that shouldn't have been a double album. And I see that with so many double albums. Uh, to me, there's very few, like, Exile on Main Streets that deserve, you know, like, a double album. You know, or The Cure, London... Uh, I mean, not The Cure. Uh, the Clash, London Column. Uh, you know, albums that, like, okay, this this is worthy of a double album. Most times when I hear a double album, I'm like, man, they could have cut, like, five or six songs, and that would be it. But, uh, yeah, I guess I would say overall, spoiler alert, I think this is one of those. If this was a single, it could be one of the greatest albums of all time. But there's enough hits on this shit. Uh, you know, to just say, ah, fuck it, you know, let's put up, let's put up with the shit songs, it's a great fucking album, it's fucking Elton John and Bernie Taupin, it's amazing, and I love it, and I think it's a great pick, so, uh, why don't you take this one, we'll start off with, uh, to me, one of the all-time classic songs, Funeral for a friend slash love lies bleeding oh this is um this is a brilliant start to the album because what i, what I love about it is the fact that it starts off you know, really quiet and ominous with the with you know the, the sound effect of the wind and then the synth the little synthesizer that plays um i believe from from memory that that whole synthesizer segment was done on an ARP synthesizer. I think it might have been a a twenty five hundred uh, multi layered because back then those type of uh, synthesizers were monophonic, meaning they could only play one. Uh, you could only press one note at a time on the keyboard. So if you wanted to play multi, you know different pitches at the same time, you would. You know, you would fiddle around with the oscillators and do a bunch of technical mumbo jumbo that I won't get into on here, but it I I absolutely love it because it just builds up to to the to the second part of the song "Love Lies Bleeding." I love "Funeral for a Friend." I love how it starts off all slow and it's just some great guitar work by JV Davy Johnston. Just I, I I absolutely love it. I love when the song takes off. I, I just love how it just goes into Love Lies Bleeding, and it's just a fantastic two-part song, and it works so well in concert. It works great as a concert opener, too. It just it works so well. It's a classic Elton song that deserves the accolades it gets. It's a classic song that justifies the 11 minutes. I mean, I know there are long songs by certain bands that are unnecessarily long. Like you can trim the fat off them and, and stuff. But here, I think if you take out parts of this song, it it loses it. I mean, it totally justifies it. It's very, very well structured. 
And I think it's a brilliant song, and I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite Elton John openers on any album that he's done. Absolutely dig this dig this song, or two-part song. How about you? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, fuck, how do you disagree with that? This is song is a fucking masterpiece. And it started out, like, originally these two songs weren't going to go together. Uh, they were separately written. Uh, the first part, uh, Funeral for a Friend, was just something they, you know, Ellen was writing and he said, you know, this is something I would love as eulogy to me. Uh, you know, something I would want played at my funeral. And then the second half was something that Bernie Taupin wrote about the end of a relationship. You know, like a very bitter, like nasty end of a relationship. But they realized during the writing sessions that they worked together and it came out. And it's perfect. It's You know, you don't think about one half without the other. And originally this was uh, going to be recorded in Jamaica. Uh, Elton wanted to do this because the Rolling Stones had recorded Goathead Soup in Jamaica. He, lo- he loved that album. He's like, oh, okay, we're going to go there. We're going to do this. How cool would it be to do this album in Jamaica? Uh, all kinds of shit happened and, you know, politically and socially, they left Jamaica, went to France and record the album. And, uh, what a way to kick it off. So awesome. Uh, this is, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, to a casual Elton John fan, you know, this would be considered a deep track. But to a, a big old John fan, this is an essential track. Uh, probably my top five Elton John songs of all time. Just absolutely amazing. And what a way to kick off this album. I mean, just fucking phenomenal. And then it goes into a song which is definitely even more iconic. And that is Candle in the Wind. And I cannot stand this fucking song. I hate Candle in the Wind. I did not like Candle in the Wind when it came out. And I hated it even more when uh, Princess Diana died. You know, and they did the the English Rose version or whatever. Mm, Goodbye, England's Rose. Yeah, I I just never liked the song. Um... And I admit that it like it, it's a well-written song. I mean, originally it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's about um, what's her name? Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Uh, yeah, great and all. It's a good song, but I, you know, sometimes you, you know a song's good, but it just rubs you the wrong way. This song is always rubbed me the wrong way and it got even worse with uh you know the death of princess diana when they did you know the whole resurgence of the song i just never liked it not um uh, not, not not a favorite song of mine what do you think of uh, candle in the wind uh i actually really like it but um i prefer it not necessarily as a as a band version as what you would hear on the record but i actually prefer listening to the song solo where it's just elton playing on the piano because yeah. i i just think it just sounds 
you know, it just come across. It, it sounds more sincere and better if it's if it's stripped down. And I'm not talking about you know the the Princess Diana remake of it, but um, you know, Elton would often play it solo in his concert sets on certain tours. And you know, I personally like the song a lot. I mean, although I can definitely see on the other side of things, you know, it is an extremely popular song in the. The Princess Diana version, what I think it still is like the biggest selling single in the UK or biggest selling single. Some it holds a record. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I I can see why somebody would be like burnt out on it or have negative things to say about it. And but you know it's to me it's a, it's a fantastic song. Um, I I, lo- I love listening to it. Uh, there are certain versions of it that I listen to more than others. Um, and like, like for example, you know, there's a ver- a second version of the song that's on this version of the album we're talking about that we'll get into later. Um, oh, do we have to? Well, five seconds. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I love the song personally, but I can get why if someone doesn't really get behind it. Um. But, you know, I dig it. I, I just can't hate the song for whatever reason, no matter how many times I hear it. I just think it's a very well-written song with, with a really good melody. So, I mean... Well, I, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you that. I'll give you respect on the song, man. It just doesn't do it for me. It's just not your cup of tea. Yeah, it, it's not my thing. Not my thing. But the great thing about it is the next song is my favorite Elton John song of all fucking time. The number one song, the greatest song I think he ever did. Um, which is a, which is a weird thing to say because there might be other songs that were better written, uh, better musically, maybe you know, better lyrically. But there is no Elton John song that touches me and and makes me feel as happy as Benny and the fucking Jets. Oh my God, do I love this song. Probably, I shouldn't say probably, definitely in my top ten of all songs by anybody in all time. Any any genre, mixing metal, mixing popular music, uh, you know, whatever. Benny and the Jets would be in my top 10 songs of all fucking time. Just, you know, that piano. And oh my God. I mean, before I die, I'm going to learn how to play that, that that simple like that. Dun, 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 You know? Yeah. How awesome is that? How, how awesome would it be to like get laid at a party? You know, like you, you could be, you could be somewhere. And there's a piano, you know, and like, okay, the girl's kind of looking at you. She's kind of not looking at you. You're trying to think of an angle, you know, like how am I to work? How am I gonna get in this woman's vagina? You know, like, hmm. all right, let me walk up the piano and just do something simple, like just because I know, like, when when I play drums, you know, I would learn like basic drum riffs that would like turn people's attention when i play guitar i would learn like 
basic riffs that would turn, you know, people's head like, oh, I know that. I would love to walk up to a piano and just go, dun, 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 you know, like, <laughs> oh, my God. I love this fucking song. And the, the funny thing is, though, I don't know what is my favorite version. Is it the original John version or the Bismarck Key Beastie Boys version? Because <laughs> they are both fucking amazing. I love, oh my God. Have you ever heard Bismarck Key's version of this? Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head. I don't think oh, I've heard Oh, oh my God. Okay, before this episode airs, you need to listen to it. It's great because he, he knows the basic gist of, uh, you know, the lyrics but he mumbles what he doesn't know. <laughs> and it's awesome. But you still have that, that iconic piano line. Um, oh, my God. I mean, this... like I can never remember... Uh, there, there's no point in my existence that I didn't know this song. Uh, that I didn't hear this on the radio or in, you know, in the home I grew up in or whatever. Benny and the fucking Jets is goddamn amazing. My favorite Elton John song of all time. And there is so many, so many fucking Elton John songs that I love, that, that, that mean so much to me. So this is not, you know, in light or in jest that this is my favorite. This that, That's saying a lot. Uh, because I think he's amazing. I You know, I think Bernie Taupin's amazing. You know, those two together... You know, it, it's Beatlesque. I mean, it's that important. It's it's like the Stones. It's like the Beatles. Fucking Elton John and Bernie Taupin have written songs that are just as important in in my mind. Um, you know, as, as Waters and Gilmore. I mean, I mean, they're on that level of like iconic, perfect fucking songs. But Benny and the Jets. It's my favorite, dude. It's my favorite. I fucking love it. What do you think? Oh, I absolutely dig this song. It's fantastic. I I love how when the <clears throat> when the song starts up, you you know you hear the uh, you know the audience, and it, it, at first glance, I thought I'm like, wait, am I listening to something live? But then I realized it's just an effect. But I no, mean, no. do 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 you know where the live shit comes from, though? Uh. I want. I want to say I do. I have it right at right on the tip of my tongue, but it's J- it's J- Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, it's that. Uh, it's that fucking. Well, oh, no, uh, I'll write, wasn't it? I'll write. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's the one. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, but um, but yeah, I absolutely love Benny the Jester. There are so many great versions of that song live, and it's it's a fun, it's an interesting oh, song yeah. to listen to. Uh, I, I absolutely and, love it. And and not to cut you off, but El- Elton and the rest of the band did not want this released as a single. No, they thought they thought it was so weird. They thought like, oh, this song is so you know, oh, it's a poor representation. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, all this. Yeah, Elton has said on record that yeah. he was against releasing it because he think it would it would fail. Yeah, and. And then, and then the funny thing is, uh, when it was first release released, um, there was there was a uh, there was a radio station that's 
right in Detroit or Windsor, one of the two, they started playing that song over and over, and it and it, be, and it hit number one in the Detroit market on the on the radio waves. So then, what what started happening? It started a domino effect where uh, other stations started to play that song all over the place, and then it, it drove the song to number one, and oh. then it hit, and then it sells. And then by uh, the mid '90s, it was a platinum-selling single. Yeah. Oh, it's it's fucking iconic. I mean, it is so, so awesome. So, oh my god, do I love that song? Yeah. I mean, I I can't say anything bad about it because it's a, it, it's an amazing song. It's a very quirky song, but it's a fun listen. It's very interesting on a musical standpoint. Where 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 would it be like like in your ep? You know, uh, echelon of Elton John songs. Where would this be? Oh, that's a tough one because, like, like you said earlier, Elton has so many amazing songs. Right. Well, what well, would it be a top five or a top ten? Uh oh, oh, I'm getting put on the spot. I would, I or, would, say, or I, would it be a top twenty? I mean, I mean, to me, after hearing all this stuff, I, at the very least, it could push top fifteen. Okay. Oh but, wow. But it, but it's like he's he's got so many amazing songs, and just because it's down there doesn't mean it's worse than something in the top five. It's just he's right. got so many great songs. It's like well, no, I mean I mean I'm curious because you you are very much more an Elton John fan than me. I mean I love Elton John, but you love a lot more of his entire catalog. I'm I'm very much a a, a, a 70s Elton John fan well, you know and, and I do like some Elton John 80s and uh, shit I, I think there's an album he did in his later career that I think is blows most of them away but uh, uh, you know because you, you know, you're much more you know well versatile in, in, his, in his entire catalog than I am but uh Okay, so top fifteen, I'll take that. You know, the guy's got a million great songs. Yeah, and t- top fifteen ain't nothing to sneeze at. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just love the song. Yeah. Um, now uh, we'll move into the title track. Woo! Yeah, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. The, the song that stretches them vocal cords and wow. Um, I mean, yeah, it's cliche, but I absolutely love the song. I love the lyrics. I think it's got a great, great melody to it. And it's an all-time classic. And, yeah, I mean, this song, I love it so much, it makes me want to watch The Wizard of Oz more often than I used to. And... um, And it's got a great, it's got a great, great melody. I love the falsetto in it. Um, and it's, I think it's very well written. It's, and it's, you know, a fairly short song. It's just over three minutes, but it's just a great song to just put on. It's like, hey, I want to listen to an Elton John song. I want to listen to a hit. Uh, this song is one of those go-to songs where it's like, hey. If you want a safe Elton John song to, you know, fill the airwaves for three minutes or so, here's your song. Uh, it's one of his signature songs. Um, I I absolutely love it. 
and I can't say anything bad about it. I, I think it's brilliant overall. How about you? Oh, yeah. It, it's a fucking masterpiece. Uh, very worthy of being a title track. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part is like when he says, Hunting the horn, they pack towed. You know, not like yeah. toad. It's just like towed. You know, to make it rhyme and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it works. But it works. It work. And it, it, it's one of those, it's just, it, it's so beautiful. Like, there's like a shit ton of songs in the sound. Like, I'd be like, oh, fuck, let that be played at my funeral. You know? But then I'm like, oh, my God, everybody's going to think I was gay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, you know, like, oh, it's, it, it's, it's very... Uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh my God, Ian was gay. I, I don't. I don't give a fuck what you think. I just know good music when I hear it, and this is amazing, amazing music. A great song. Uh, I have no idea what it's about. I don't know what the fuck he's trying to say, but it's just great fucking music. It's beautiful. Uh, the way he phrases everything. I mean, and there are some great Bernie Taupin lyrics, but it's the way that Elton interprets everything. And uh, like you said, it, it's a short song. There's a lot of songs on here that are short, but it was it was a different era. It was the 70s. I mean, a lot of these artists from back in the day would do more in two minutes than, you know, any band could do now. It's it's just fucking I don't know. It's Goodbye Yellowbrook Road. I mean, it's classic. What can you say? I mean, yeah, absolutely. And... But you know, it, it's one of those things, though. It's like okay, so we're talking about a double album. We're talking about Elton John in the seventies. Uh, you know, oh, the guy can do no wrong. But then we go into the next song. Uh. The song has no title. And I'm like, oh, see, this is where I was like, I think this could have been like right up there with like Zeppelin 4 and Exile on Main Street and all this shit. If this was a single album, uh, this is an amazing album. I don't think it's worthy of being a double album. And this is where we get into that. Because like even... Even Can on the Wind, it's not my bag. I don't like it, but I appreciate it for what it is. I think it's a good song. I just don't like it, but I appreciate it for what it is. And I think up until this next song, they're all worthy of like, okay, it's a classic, whether I like it or not. But then we get to the song has no title. I don't know. This one just doesn't grab me. And I think this is something that you know, if it was properly edited, this would have been left off. Not a fan. What do you think? You know, what's interesting is originally when I first reviewed this album years ago, I was a lot more uh, favorable and diplomatic towards it. But, you know, nowadays, I'm actually a lot more on your side when it comes to this song. Um I do like what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to go for, like, like, like a filler track just to kind of s- s- segue into the next song. But 
And I appreciate that it kind of has this vaudeville kind of a theme, and it's it's like, you know, kind of like what, um, it's almost kind of like what you said for Candle in the Wind, but maybe a little more harsh, because I see what they were trying to go for, and I can appreciate the effort involved, but it's just not clicking. It, it seems that it was just put on the album to, like, maybe fill space on one side of the LP or something or some, and it's just kind of a throwaway tune for me. Uh, Although, I mean, I, I don't think it's... Now, that being said, I don't think it's, like, outright terrible. I don't think it's absolute trash or, or anything, but it's like... Man, it's like... You compare the quality of that to the previous four songs, right. it's like, wow, what a dip. It's like, because the previous four songs, I mean, everything works for me on those songs. I love them. But here it's like, okay, I see what they're trying to do, but it, it's like, no, no. It, it, I, it has interesting ideas, and I like the concept, but as a song, it's not really working out for me too well. But, but as you said, maybe if they worked on it like different or did something different with it, I don't know what they could have done, but it's like, it just sounds like a throwaway. Like it could have been a B side or an outtake right. to, to put on like a different well, version of the album, but it's just not clicking for me. Well, as, as we go in, I think there's a lot of those, but to me, you know, a, another example of how great this album is, is the next song, Grey Seal. Holy shit, do we do we skip over the last song and we get right back into an incredible album. And what I love about Grey Seal um, is, to me, it, it, it's a quintessential album track. It's not necessarily, you know, a single or it has that appeal, but it is the glue that holds it together. And I love Grey Seal. And... This is the first Elton John album that, that I ever bought that was, uh, you know, a proper album. I had I had Elton John greatest hits and, you know, shit like that. But this was the first, like, album that I bought by Elton. And uh, I remember listening to it at work and like, oh, I know this song. I know that song. Okay, I know this song. And then Grey Seal came on. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is so fucking cool. And there's just something very uplifting about it, and especially when it kicks into the chorus. Uh, I don't know what it is, but every time I hear this song, I feel happy. Uh, I love it. It has, you know, uh, all of the trademarks of, of great Elton John songs that I love are in this song. But I understand why it's not as well known as Philadelphia Freedom or Daniel or you know, Tiny Dancer or shit like that. I get why it's an album track, but I love album tracks. And to me, this probably more than... Well, there's one other song that I would consider uh, like at this level as an album track. Not a standout single, but the glue that holds it together. But this would be probably my favorite like song that glues the album together. Love, Seal. What do you think? Uh... For me, Grey Seal is a top three song. Nice uh, on the on the entire album, and I would go so far as to say it's a top ten 
favorite Elton John song of all time. What the career. fuck is it? What the fuck is it about? I have no idea. Uh, Gray Seal. Uh, yeah. You know, Bernie has said, you know, in his own words, that it's a bit of a mystery. So, okay. um, it's uh, I mean, I, I get that because I have no idea what the song is about, but it makes me happy when I hear it. But it, seriously, like, I have no, like, you know, some songs you, you hear it and, and, uh, like, be it lyrically or musically, there's something that draws you to it or you draw inspiration. I have no idea what the fuck this is about, but it makes me smile. Yeah, it's like, you know, Bernie said that, you know, the, it's a bit of a mystery to him. It's open to interpretation. And, and I think that's one of the great things about the song is you can interpret those lyrics in many different ways. And as far as the song goes, oh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Like, the chorus is amazing. It's a very uplifting, yes. you know, quasi-gospel chorus. Uh, and the vocal delivery is awesome. The song actually dates back way earlier than this. It goes back to um, around the sessions for uh, Elton John's second album, the self-titled Elton John. It originally was just Elton and the electric piano, and it was a very bare-bones version of it but it was left off it didn't make the cut okay. at all so then elton uh rewrites the song and revives it for goodbye albrick road and the the earlier version is you can find it on youtube but it's uh much more bare bones much more minimalistic before and it sounds like well it's not a different song because you know it's the same structure same chords but it's it's got that stripped down sound to it and, um, but the version on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, you know, that full bombastic band version is the, is a way superior version of, of the song. And I love it. It's top three for me on the album, uh, top 10 of all time. I absolutely love it. It's a great live song too. And it, it, it's a great time. It's just everything about the song, despite the, uh, you know, the mystery of the lyrics, everything works about it. it it's a great combination of rock, pop, and soul, R&B, and gospel influence all thrown into a blender. And it's an amazing song. I love it. Top three for me on the album. Awesome. Well, I get that. Uh, and I think the next song is the complete opposite. <laughs> Uh, uh, who's going to be the victim here? Yeah. To start. Uh, uh, Jamaica jerk off. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Well, you know, I think we talked about it earlier. Or I mentioned it, that this album was supposed to be recorded in Jamaica. Um, but there was a lot of issues that came up and, uh, they ended up leaving Jamaica. There was political turmoil. There was all kinds of different shit that happened. Uh, so it ended up getting recorded in France, but, uh, you know, I can't help but think this song was inspired by what originally drew him to Jamaica. Um, but I, I think this is a total, like, oh my God, is this a throwaway? And to me is a perfect example of why this shouldn't have been a double album and it should have been a single album because you take away Jamaica jerk off and you know, probably like five other songs. Seriously, you could have had what 
in my mind, would be considered one of the greatest albums of all time. But songs like this make it like, oh, that's a good one. Not great, but it's a good one. Uh, you know, and that's because a lot of people consider this to be Elton's magnum opus, you know, his, his greatest album. To me, it's not because of songs like Jamaica Jerk Off. What do you think? Great songs. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I ain't gonna hold it in the bay. It's the worst song off the entire album. And, and it's a rare dud of a song from Elton in this era. Because it's like, I know it is a fun listen. I know it's it, it's sort of a guilty pleasure, but I, I no, it, it's not for me. It's just, you know... It's not my it's not my cup of tea. I, I it is a definite throwaway. This should have been thrown off the album. It, it shouldn't even been, you know, it, as a single album. No, it should it should have been at most on a bonus track for outtakes. Yeah, it's a Z's time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know why it was written, but I don't know. It's just a massive difference in quality between this song and many of the other tracks. I mean, there's a couple other tracks on this album that, you know, I'm kind of putting ambivalent feelings on, but at least I can find things on those songs that I like or I can understand what they're trying to do. But here it's like, why, why bother? You know, I'm all for studio experimentation and putting ideas down, but don't record them and put them on a disc or a, or a eight track or a cassette tape or a vinyl record. Um, yeah. but, but it's worst song for me. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Like, you know, like, you know, Elton John doing reggae is like Slayer doing dubstep. You know, it's like, no, no, you might appreciate what they do, but, Leave it to them. Step away, and uh, I don't think Bernie Taupin or Elton John uh, knew how to probably do like a reggae song or anything like that. Yeah, nah, it, it, to me, worst song off the album, and in that classic era of Elton stuff from the self-titled through to uh, you know Captain Fantastic, maybe Rock of the Westies. If, want to be generous uh i would say this is probably the worst song he's done at least for wow. me wow well we're, we're we we seem to agree on that uh well let's go to the next song and this is one that uh you know for people in the hard rock community uh may or may not know the impact that it had because this was a uh, very favorite song of Axl Rose, and he mentions this in uh, You Could Be Mine, mm -hmm. uh, you know, once or twice. And that is, I've seen this movie too. Um, I am not a huge fan of this song, but there are certain aspects I like about it. I like the overall feel to it musically. Uh, musically, I feel it. it, it it's a more successful melancholy song. Um, I, I, I love the instrumentation. I love the vibe of the song musically, but lyrically and overall, I just, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't mash up to me. 
apparently it meant a lot more to Axl Rose than it did to me. But what I think is so awesome is, you know, artists that, you know, you know, for the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, uh, you know, you're used to the heavier stuff, but people like, like Axl Rose and, uh, you know, um, Zach Wilde has been very instrumental about how much he loves Elton John and what Elton John meant to him, you know, growing up and, and, and to what he considered music and stuff. And uh, I think that's very valid because I, I think the music of Elton John and Bernie Taupin uh, crosses a lot of lines and barriers. Um, and it's just great fucking music regardless of the genre or the heaviness or the lightness of it. I think it's just great songwriting. Uh, so I appreciate that aspect of it, but this song, I don't know. There's something missing on this one. Uh, but I do like the melancholy feel of it musically. What do you think? Uh, for me, it's okay. Um, it is, to me, it's filler for the album, but it's the kind of filler that is, you know, like I'm not going to skip over the track if it comes up. And if I listened to the whole album through, I I would listen to it. So, I mean, it's okay. Do I think it's a great song? No. Um, do I think it's terrible? No. I do think it's miles better than the previous song. And, yeah. I, do, and I do like it a little bit more than uh, the song has no title. Because, you know, on that song, I, I, I like the ideas what they were doing in the field, but they missed the execution a bit here. It's like, it's a solid song. It's kind of like a Jack of all trades where it gets the job done. It's decent, but it's not outstanding. I mean, it's, you know, but it's just okay for me. It's right in the middle. Um, It'd be kind of a song where I'd be kind of on the fence if I were to cut it off of the album or something, but... Yeah, yeah if, see, if, I, I would I would leave it on the album, but it would probably be one of my least favorite ones on the album. Yeah, I think it's okay. Like, I don't think it's terrible, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's worse on the album, but there's a lot of things that are a lot better. So, um, so yeah, it's right in the middle for me. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. All right. Well, we, we, we were kind of we're kind of on the same page there. But uh, now, since this is a double album, we're uh, flipping over. This would be the first song on side three. Yes. Uh, you know, if if you if you had this on vinyl, and that is "Sweet Painted Lady." I absolutely love this fucking song, and to me. Uh, I I think what grabs me about this is that when I hear this, it's a drinking song. To me, it's a drinking song about a whore. And it just... I, I don't know. There's just a great feel to this. And, and to me, it sounds like classic Elton John. I mean, you know, when this came out, this was his seventh studio album. But this is the time he was very prolific. Uh, I pronounced that wrong. Prolific. You got it. You got it. You know what I mean, you assholes. You know what I mean. Wasn't going to say anything. 
but you, you know, he's put out multiple albums a year, just like a lot of artists in the seventies. You know, Kiss put out you know multiple albums in a year, uh, but but you know, Elton John wrote out well-written albums multiple times a year. Uh, I, I think there was like a, a nine-month difference between this and and the previous album. Uh, a great song. I really, really love this one and. You know, and uh, I, I totally picture like just hanging out on my back patio, like you know, somebody's got, hey, pour a shot, you know, grab a beer, you know, it's sweet painted lady. Uh, it's just a feel good fucking song about a whore, dude, and that's awesome. And uh, you know, and it's funny because. What what a weird dynamic you have with with Elton John and Bernie Taupin. You you, you you know you have a gay man who, at this time, isn't outed as a gay man, but gives you all the hints. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, and you have Bernie Taupin, who is a straight man, but uh, you know, a very interesting songwriter, a very. Uh, you know, Bernie Taupin, I, th- I think, is, is so important. Uh, to Elton's career, I mean that is, uh, God damn! I mean, I, I I hate bringing up my former co-host, but I kind of see Rath and I as like an Elton John and a Bernie Taupin, like two totally opposites, but what they bring together created something so amazing. Like you don't think about one without the other if if you're in the know. Uh, and what they added to each other, what Bernie Taupin could write and then hand Elton and what they could do in music and lyrics is is fucking amazing. And to me, Sweet Painted Lady, perfect fucking example of that collaboration between those two incredible artists. Love, love, love this song. What do you think, Greg Barnes? Uh, to me, it's the most underrated song off the entire album. And it was actually kind of a grower for me because uh, <clears throat> originally way back when I started to listen to the album properly, I thought the song was kind of on, in the same ballpark as as um, <clears throat> I seen that movie too where it was you know, it was all right. It was well written, composed, but it was just okay. But as I, but it was a grower song. Like I'm like, okay, I started to really appreciate it more. And yeah, it's a very, you know, it's a very campy sounding song. Uh, and yeah, the the song is, is <laughs> as you deduced from the lyrics, it's about uh, sweet painted ladies, prostitutes. Uh, that sailors back from the sea were waiting for at, at the brothels. So yeah, drink, drink away, listen to this song, and envision happy things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a it is a deep cut from the album, and and you can find some great live versions of it that Elton played solo, just just him him and the piano, and on some of his live shows from. Uh, 99 and it sounds really awesome in that environment oh i'd love to hear that oh it's, it's awesome and it is a deep cut it's a grow it was a grower song for me and i i personally think it's 
the most underrated song off the entire album because you look through all these songs and it's like, yeah, there's Candle. Yes, there's Benny. You know, there's the title track. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, Saturday Night. You know, you see all these hits. You see all these familiar songs. And those are the songs that are often brought up, you know, with Elton John. You know, rightfully so. They're great songs, but but they're hits. And they're, they're very popular songs. But, you know, you don't often hear people talk about, you know, songs like Grace Seal, really, or Sweet Painted Lady, or even some of the other songs that are, come up, that are coming up aren't really mentioned as much. But I would say Sweet Painted Lady is the most underrated track. Off of off of this album because it's a very high quality song. It was a, admittedly I wasn't a, the biggest fan of it, but over time I grew to really appreciate it. So yeah, I would say "Sweet Painted Lady" is a is a great song, and right and rightfully so. All right, well now we go on the next song, the bad the ballad of Danny Blaney, nineteen oh nine. 1934. Uh, wow. Talk about sucking all the wings out of uh, what just happened with the last song. Like, ooh, that's a great one. To me, this is a song that Elton and, and Bernie had done earlier, but have done a gazillion times better. Uh, like, lyrically and theme-wise, to me, uh, you know, this is something that could have been on, uh, oh, fuck, what's the album I'm thinking of? Uh, God damn. There's six other albums before this one. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this could have been on Tumbleweed Connection. But, but, but to me, all of the songs on Tumbleweed Connection are better than this song. Uh, and it, it just, to me, it seems out of place. Like, you know, I could have seen it on Tumbleweed Connection, but like I just said, I think all those songs are better. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It just seems like the wrong song on the wrong album. Uh, doesn't grab me at all. What do you think? Um, well, I actually really like it. Um, oh, okay. It's, yeah, this I think this is going to be the first time where we actually deviate a little bit because up to this point, I think we've been almost on the same page right through you know the through the review but here i really appreciate this song for what it is now admittedly i i do actually quite agree with um the previous point you made and it's very valid that it doesn't sound like it really fits on this on the album in terms of how it sounds um you know, you mentioned Tumbleweed Connection. I actually think it may have could have been on the the previous the previous album, uh, Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player, and have it back to back with Have Mercy on the Criminal. Yeah. Because because the song, you know, is about is about Danny Bailey. And you know, it's a uh, tribute to gangsters and thieves. And it's you know, it's a very dark sounding song. And it's a, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I appreciate it for what it is. Uh, it is sort of a semi-deep cut. You know, it's 
you know, not really played live all that much. He hasn't been played in, God knows, like 32 years or so. <laughs> but um, but I, I appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, it's got a good... Um, it's got a good melody to it. I really love the lyrics because it's, you know, it's it's a very dark sounding song, and there's a lot of deep meanings behind those lyrics. Uh, you know, is is Danny a uh, <clears throat> a villain? Is he a victim? Uh, you know, I guess the cops won again. It's like, are the cops the bad guys? Are they the good guys? Is Danny Bailey a hero, an anti-hero? You know, you can take those lyrics and just... There's so many different interpretations of these lyrics. Wow, you, you must have listened to the lyrics because I listened to the song and it didn't grab me at all. I have no idea what the song's fucking about. I was just like, uh, this didn't grab me. I have no fucking idea. But you definitely did your homework, so... Maybe if I listened to it more, it would grab me more, but I don't know. I just Maybe it's because musically, I was, I was I like... Mean, I mean, uh, really, okay. I, mean I, I can see where you're coming from. It's not the most musically adventurous kind of a song, right. but, I mean, I, but I appreciate it for what it is. I mean, I think the lyric... I mean, I think the music's fine, but I like the lyrics a lot more than the song because I think the right. lyrics are just... Well, really dark. I, I, I mean, I, I get, I, I get what you're saying with this because I mean, Elton John is definitely like one of your favorite artists, you know, and uh, you know, like, like with me, you know, it's all about David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth could write a song, uh, you know, like fucking jump, and most people are like, I don't know what the fuck it's about. He just says jump, and I dig <laughs> it, and I like it, but to me, it's about you know. Everybody, you know, our place in the universe and, and, you know, quantum physics and shit like that, you know, it's just like, I get, I know what he's saying, yeah. you, know, you know, but like, you know, it's to me when I hear this, I don't, I don't know, it's one of those, like with Elton John, it's got to grab me one way or the other, and this one just didn't grab me either. It just, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, not, it, it's not your song, basically. Yeah, yeah, if, if you know what I'm saying, it's like. I don't think it's horrible, but it's just like there's nothing that jumped out and 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 made it stand out. And he has such a prolific, uh, God, I, I'm saying this wrong again, prolific uh, career. You know, he has so many songs, so many songs. But you know, sometimes there's something that grabs me, like like Gray Seal, perfect example. No idea what the fuck he's singing about. No idea what he's talking about. But all I know is I love the rhythm. And when that chorus kicks in, it's uplifting. You know, and I'm like, ah, I, I don't know what the fuck, but there's just something about this song that, like, makes me happy. Makes, you know. Probably and, a mix of the tempo and probably just how it's delivered because it's a very yeah, uplifting chorus. Yeah, it really is one of those things. Like, when, when, when Gracio kicks in, you know, after the court, I'm like, oh, I, 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 it's like, I can't even describe it. It just does something to me. And, uh, this is something that I, I'm just like, I keep waiting for that to happen. And it doesn't reach me like on any level. 
But I mean, not 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 in a horrible way. Like like not like it's it's Sammy Hagar bad, <laughs> you, you know. But but, well, but way, it's, to taint, way to taint the review. <laughs> right, right? No, no. But what 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 I'm saying though is 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 it's just there's nothing that jumps out. It, it's just kind of a, a their song. Mm-hmm. But 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 I love hearing your review of it, and like you you get a lot more out of it, like. You hear shit lyrically, like when I hear you describe it and talk about it, like what's going on, it's like, wow, I didn't get any of that, you know, when I listened to it, you know, but you listen to it and and you pick up all these different levels that I don't get just because it doesn't grab me musically or lyrically, but for you, you know, I I don't know, It's, it's one of those things, like, the shit's so good on this. It's like there, there's nothing like apprehensible bad. Well, you know, Jamaica Jerkoff is pretty close. <laughs> we won't talk but, about that. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, first rule about Jamaican Jerkoff. We don't talk about Jamaican Jerkoff. Uh, but but you know what I, you know, you know what I mean? Like like sometimes you hear a song that's just like so bad, like I am just a boy. You know, like yeah, nobody can defend that shit. You know? But but a lot of these songs are up to interpretation, uh, you know. Either it grabs you or it don't. This one, this one, just like nothing reached out. But you got something out of it, so that's cool, you know. Yeah, I mean it's, I, uh, and the other side's per- perfectly valid too. I mean, so because you know a lot of the times, you know, and it all depends on the artist because. I like to just listen to the music usually. I usually don't follow the lyrics nearly right. as much as I would follow, say, the music and the structure and the chord or, right. or the layout. But, you know, to me, you know, Bernie is, you know, to me, he, amazing lyricist. One of my oh, absolute yeah. favorite lyricists. And it's like, with Elton in particular, since, you know, Elton is one of my favorite artists, my favorite solo artist, you know, outside of, you know, Queen... I, I tend to pay more attention to the lyrics of of the Elton songs more than I would pay attention to the lyrics of you know other groups I listen to because I'm you know such a fan of Elton's work and I love Bernie's writing style so I'm like well I love listening to the music but I really want to just look at his lyrics and just kind of right. read up on like what he wants to say or what his interpretation is or what other people are saying and then I can kind of listen to the music and kind of envision those lyrics right. the story well, well, I mean I get that like okay okay an Elton John, John song I love but it's probably pretty generic it's like I'm still standing oh I love that song it's a great I I love I'm still standing and it's kind of like uh, you know uh, lyrically you know like a generic, like overcoming obstacles, and mm-hmm. I'm ha- I'm having fun. Musically, it's very '80s, uh, very unoriginal, very paint by the numbers. But there's just something about it that when you add all this, you know, when you add a bunch of C minuses together, you get an A plus, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And uh, you know, it- it's greater than the sum of its parts. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, like you listen to the lyrics, like on I'm Still Standing. I mean, nowadays, since, you know, Elton John's been clean and sober since, 
you know, nine, you know, nineteen ninety. Right, right, right. But you hear about, you know, you, you listen to it, it's like it's a lot of a dee ba da ba doo ba dee be doo, yeah, ba dee ba dee ba da ba dee dee doo. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what the fuck he's saying; it just puts a smile on your face yeah. cause, because <laughs> of the rhythm and all this. And yeah, it has a positive lyric and stuff, but it's really about about all about like the be ba da ba dee ba dee boo doo. You know. That that comes across more powerfully than the you know I don't think like ooh this is a very deep Bernie Talbot lyric or <laughs> this is the best music you know musical fucking Elton John song but when you add it all together it's a great pop song yeah. so you know I get you know you know not everything is tiny fucking dancer oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true yeah that's know? true <laughs> but. It could still be a great Elton John song, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, I, I, I get that and everything's going to hit somebody differently. And that's why you are the best fucking guest for the, you know, I could never imagine doing a fucking Elton John episode, uh, let alone doing one without you. <laughs> oh, it's like, well, all I can say, in my on you know, my side is, you know, I dig Elton John and love his material, so I mean, there you go. Alright, well, enough about that one. Let me hear you try to defend Dirty Little Girl. <laughs> uh, I can't. Okay, bye. <laughs> no, well, well, actually, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, kind of similar to uh, <clears throat> you know, a couple... Uh, a couple other songs on here. I originally was less harsh on it when I initially reviewed it. I thought it was just filler and okay, but <laughs> listening back on it, especially now that I'm a little older and a little wiser, and and I stopped you know abusing myself a little you know much, but I listen to this and I'm like, uh, not for me. Um. Easily in the lower tier songs for the for the album, uh, almost as bad as Jamaica Jerk Off. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say to that level, but it's it's kind of bridging the gap there, um, and and it's just just a throwaway. You know, there are a lot there are better Elton songs from the same album and in a similar era that are. You know, a little heavier and a little more blues-driven than this one. I mean, it's... I'm not a fan of it. I Definite throwaway song. Um, not a fan of it. I can't defend it. Sorry. I mean, maybe right. you can, but <laughs> I don't oh, know. Oh, well, well I'm not even going to try because this, this, this to me, uh, you know, th- this is what Molly Crew based her career on. Is songs like this, you know, horrible. Um, I, I it's just I, I, this. This sounds to me is like okay, you you know, you book studio time, you're writing songs, you know, not everything's gonna be you know a plus, you know, but but this is like a D minus song, and this is why I'm saying like, you know, it, I get why it's a double album. But I honestly, you know, in my heart of hearts, you know, you take away songs like this, Jamaican Jerk Off, uh, you know, and there's other songs we disagree upon that you could take off. 
But like, if this was a single album instead of a double album, and you take away shit like this, I honestly think this could be one of the undisputed greatest albums of all time. Yeah, because like, because yeah. you, you 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 know you have stuff like the title track, uh, you know, "Love Lies Bleeding," you know, "Pinning the Jets," uh, "Saturday Night's All Right for Fight." You know, Gray Seal. I mean, they're, they're, you know, just shit that I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a music fan doesn't find something in. You know, but then you have, like, a total throwaway like this. It's like, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> there, there, there's so many few double albums that, that I think deserve to be a double album. And even some of my favorite double albums of all time, like the White Album. Love it couple songs you could take off uh london calling couple songs you could take off uh exile on main street perfect <laughs> you know but there's very few like that you know uh a lot of times when you have a double album it's like uh what's that uh that that smashing pumpkins where you could take off three quarters of the album and have a pretty good ep you know, um, you know, this is why I, I, I think with a, you know, with, I, sh- I shouldn't say a proper producer, but maybe somebody who's a little, you know, will just voice their opinion, say this doesn't make the cut. You have these amazing songs. This song isn't up to the snuff of those other songs, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, dirt of the, yeah. Dirt of the Girl, eh. But the plus side is the end side three with, I think, a great album track. Not a single, but a great album track, All the Girls Love Alice. And this is something I had no idea for years was his like little ode to Alice Cooper and how cool he thought Alice Cooper was and... Uh, you know, but that's a great thing about the seventies. You, you you'd have all these artists that were so different, uh, but yet if you listen to the radio, you would hear them all on the same station. And the eighties, to a certain degree, were like that. But this is, you know, Ellen's little uh, nod toward Alice Cooper, and I think this is a quintessential album track. Not as catchy as the rest, but a really good song. I love. All the girls love Alice. What do you think of this one, Greg? Oh, it's it's awesome. Finally, listen to a good song. Um, but it's I I it's awesome. It's one of the uh, you know quote unquote heavier tracks. But uh, it is a weird song. I, I mean, yeah, it is. It is very. Uh, it, it is a very quirky song, and it's it's got a great structure to it. It's got a great vocal from Elton. And yeah, the um, <clears throat> and yeah, the lyrics are very interesting uh, because uh, you know it's the first time you know in Elton's career that he sang about a gay character. Um, and you know, in interviews, he said you know it's about a you know a young girl who gets seduced by the naughty ladies, and it's a it's basically you know. It's basically about uh, about about a prostitute, 
you know, and it's, you know, it's got some very deep lyrics in there. If you, if you look at those lyrics, it's, uh, you know, it's got some dark hidden meanings in there. And, uh, so, you know, it's a very interesting song. Musically, I love it. And it's got a great solo by Davey. And, you know, the live versions are awesome. And it's just, it's a wonderful song to listen to. It's one of my uh, favorite tracks off the album. It's, you know, not, not a hit. And, I wouldn't necessarily just call it obscure or really a deep cut, but kind of like one of those songs where it's sort of a familiar album cut. Like casual fans would probably know this one because you know it's been you know. Well, I I wouldn't say. Well, I I mean more so than Sweet Painted Lady and Danny Bailey and some of the other ones. But but now. But now you got me thinking. Like I totally have to re-listen this because I thought this was like his like Ode to Alice Cooper, and, and and girls like an Alice Cooper. But you describe it like a totally different way. Where I'm like, fuck, now I got to reevaluate this song because you're making it sound even darker than I thought it was. It is. It's about it's about a 16 year old prostitute who sleeps with older women. Okay, well I'm totally fucked on this song then because I thought it was about something else. And, 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 you know, it's one of those, like, I picked up lyrics here and there, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's talking about, you know, kids loving Alice Cooper. But now you're making it, like, wow, wow, now I like it even more. I got to check this shit out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a dark, it's a very dark lyrical song. It deals with, you know, prostitutes and, you know, dark subject matter. Okay, and, okay. And, well, and, I- and, and it's. And basically, um, in and you know there there is it, but to your credit, and you know there there were thing there were theories and there were you know things passed around that um, that it had something to do with Alice Cooper. You know, it's it has been talked about, and you know the the most popular guess was well. It's about Alice Cooper, but, you know, maybe his fan-based. Because, you know, Alice Cooper's a shock rocker, right? Right. So maybe it's about one of his, like, groupies or a fan or something. And, uh, and yeah, Cooper did know Elton John and Bernie Taupin. I know on an acquaintance level or a friend level, I believe. And Bernie Taupin would write lyrics for, for Alice Cooper. Yeah, later, later from from the inside, and David yeah. Johnston would play guitar on that album. Yeah, so they all knew each other, and they were all, you know, on good terms. Um, but you know, that's what's being said. You know, was he? In, there's like really no hard evidence to suggest that Alice Cooper directly was a influence. But you know, Elton has said himself that it's about a young girl who gets seduced by the naughty ladies. So. I mean, it's a Man. it's a dark lyrical song, but it's a great fuck. song. Fuck, I gotta check this one out again, man. You you totally blew my mind on this, man. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's about prostitutes, so hey, have a have a few drinks, listen to "Sweet Painted Lady," and then listen to that. Oh, song. There you go. <laughs> Sweet Painted Lady. <laughs> oh man. 
Oh, man. Well, I'm so glad you're here, man, because you totally changed my fucking opinion on that. But what sucks is we got to go from all the girls love Alice to uh, your sister can't twist, but she can rock and roll. Oh, boy. Uh, wow. Wow. Uh, to call this song filler, uh, you know, is to call Donald Trump uh, the president. <laughs> you know, this, this is horrible. I mean, this is like, I really, really can't believe this made the album. Uh, I don't know. I, I would have to say... I don't, I don't. This to me might be the worst song on the album. Like I really can't believe this. This made the cut, and you know there's some bonus songs we're gonna talk about, and and you know I I even think the acoustic version of uh, fucking Candle in the Wind, which I can't stand, would be better than this one. Uh, I really think this is a bad one. Uh, you know, to me, the, you know, the best part is it's only two minutes and 42 seconds, but I am not a fan <laughs> of this song. What do you think? Um, uh, well, mercifully, it is one of the shortest songs off the album. Uh, but yeah, I can't say it's the worst song, but it is filler. And wow, wow, you can't say it. What do you think is worse than this one? Jamaica jerk off. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, uh, I, I would say a, 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 that's competition. That's competition. I, you know, I would I would say definitely Jamaica jerk off and uh, maybe Dirty Little Girl. Those two would be worse. Yeah. Than okay, uh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Uh, but I will say though, it is a step down from from songs like I seen that movie too, where. Right. Where, you know, killer filler, it's okay. This one is like, yeah, it's filler, but, you know, it's something where it's like, it is a throwaway song. Right. Um, this should have been on the bonus track, not not the actual album. All right. Uh, not the worst thing on the album, not the worst Elton song, but it's uh, pretty low tier compared to some of his other stuff. Well, you know, in, in, in true 70s weirdness... It goes from one of the, what we agree upon one of the worst uh, songs on the album to not only one of the best songs on this album, but I, I think we can all agree one of the greatest Elton John songs of all time. Saturday Night is All Right for Fighting. What a fucking epic, amazing song. I believe this was the first single from the album. Uh, and rocking rocking guitar from david johnston on this one uh I, I i mean this song was covered by wasp for christ's sake uh before blackie was a born-again christian um this is just an amazing rock and roll song i mean up there with like you know rolling stone songs and and beatles songs and who songs uh i you know you know, for somebody, you know, like, like Elton, who is so, like, ambiguous and weird and stuff like that. But, you know, this is just a rock and roll song through and through. I love, like, lyrically, it's so different for Elton. You know, it's, there's a lot of, like, 
uh, weird machismo going on in this song, man. It, but but it's just like that. Da da da. Da, da, da. You know, you know the great, powerful like guitar riff that you don't expect from an Elton John song, and lyrically, you know, it's not introspective. It's it's about you know like you know uh, you know dumb white guys wearing affliction t-shirts kind of thing. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is this is like you know like 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 lame white guys who drink craft beers and stuff. You know. But uh, but it works, man. I mean, it works, and it's a great song. And my old lady, she don't care, you know, if I had one. Uh, I love it. Lo- to me, it's one of the greatest rock songs ever. Stands the test of time. It's fucking Saturday Night is Alright for a Fight. Not only did Wasp cover this, fucking Flotsam and Jetsam covered this. I mean, th- this is a song I think you know, crosses a lot of barriers and just shows the genius of Elton John and Bernie Taupin. Um, you, you know, I, I, I think they get a bad rap, especially in the eighties where Elton, you know, I think still wrote some great songs, but became a little bit cheesy, uh, more, uh, mainstream, you know, and then you get that whole, like, fucking, you know, like, Lion King era Elton John and shit, you know, where it's just, like, it's, it's some really lame white people music and shit. But, you know, in the 70s, Elton was, you know, to me, the epitome of an artist, of a singer-songwriter, you know, and, and you can't take anything away from Bernie Taupin. But, I mean, I mean, just great, introspective, you know, beautiful, awesome timeless classic songs but this is a classic rock and roll song i mean this is like you know this is like kinks shit you know this is like you know steve miller you know boston shit like this it's just this is a great rock and roll song saturday night's all right for fighting goddamn get a little action here i love this shit what do you think oh i love it, it it's definitely one of the hardest songs elton's done it's up tempo it rocks it's raw it's got that sort of that throwback homage to the uh, first era of rock and roll very jerry lee lewis influenced uh but it, it it's so it's so awesome um <clears throat> and um and there there's a book out there that that i have um, about Elton John. It's called uh, His Song, The Musical Journey Journey of Elton John uh, by Elizabeth J. Rosenthal. And uh, normally, um, <clears throat> normally, you know, Elton would, you know, write the songs on the piano first, and then, you know, Bernie would put the lyrics to it, vice ver- or vice versa. But in this case, it's been said that the reverse has happened where the band put their tracks down first and then Elton played the piano on top of the tracks. Because it just sounds so heavy sounding. Because it's a, it's a very guitar-driven song. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great rocker. It's been covered by numerous artists, as you said. Um, and originally... 
when uh, when the album was first being recorded, obviously, you know, when they were in Jamaica, um, that this was the only song that was recorded in Jamaica, but, you know, they never used that recording session because the quality was so bad on the on the equipment there and and so when they relocated to uh to france they obviously re-recorded it and everything but um it's a fantastic song i love it um you know it's a concert staple it's one of it's one of my favorite elton songs in terms of you know being like a heavier rocker and i absolutely i absolutely love it and it, it's just it's an all-around amazing song. It's one of my go-tos. If I wanted to, you know, flip, flip on the album and say, you know, let's let's go to a song, this would be kind of, you know, one of my first choices if I just wanted to hear something right off the album. And, yes, and you're right, it was the first single. Uh, it, it, was rele- it was released a good uh, three months before the right, al- right, album was out. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it did pretty well over here. It was top... I think it was like top, it was 10 or 12. So it was one of those numbers on the chart. So relatively modest success compared to some of the other hits. But man, is it, it's an amazing track. And yeah, I'm so glad that we have a song like this on the album. Just, you know, there's a lot of great songs. You know, you have your mellower songs. You have some uh, jazzier songs. You have some more unique sounding songs. Uh, and your epic song but you, now you have like this balls to the wall wall rocker towards the end and you know that it's some great diversity so yeah dig the song i love it absolutely love it i would i would definitely put this in the top 15 of my favorite elton songs of all time oh yeah and then you know and uh you know you pointed out this 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 song was released like you know months ahead of the album but this was also a year where he put out, you know, two iconic albums in 1973. Yeah, Don't Shoot Me was at yeah. the beginning of the year. It was like oh, late, yeah. late, late January. And then he puts this out, and, and there was four singles released, and there was going to be a fifth single. Uh, there's a song we haven't talked about yet, was mm-hmm. going to be the last single. But at, at the time, the record company pulled it because they already wanted to push... His next album, Caribou, they wanted to push a single off of that, so they pulled it. You know, and it's funny, you used to see shit like this until you got, like, to the Death Leopard Hysteria album where they're like, okay, we're going to release 37 singles (laughs) off of one album, you know, and just keep milking this. You know, it used to be like, okay, you had a time frame, you know, and then, then the album's done and we're going on to the next one. Yeah, because it didn't, because, uh, you know, what I faintly remember about um, about that, the Hysteria thing was, God, wasn't there like seven or eight singles released oh, out there? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I mean, what it was, there was, you know, and, and, and the funny, like, in, you know, terms now, it was nothing, but back then, you know, you had four years between pyromania and hysteria and that was like a lifetime and they're like well we're you know we're gonna keep pushing this you know and then and, and especially like hysteria was an album that had like a 
you know, like a, you know, a second peak. You know, it had an initial peak, and then it had like a middle peak, and they just like, hey, man, you know, fuck, the drummer's got one arms. This album ain't even that good, but people keep buying it. You know, let's keep pushing it, because you never know. Their next album could be Adrenalize. You know, um, you know, but back then it was like, get it out, get it out, get it out, put out an album, go on tour, you know, uh, look back at all, you know, classic Kiss albums. They had multiple albums in a year uh, and, and that wasn't against the norm. I mean, you know, just back then it was about music, you know, and people putting out and uh, wow, those Saturday nights are right for fighting. It's hard to move on from that one because that is just so classic. I mean, and that's one of those, you know, to me, transcends an Elton John song. That's just like, you know, that's like a a fucking, you know, satisfaction or a fucking love me do. You know, it's just like, it, it's bigger than the artist. You know, it's just a classic rock and roll song. Uh, you know, even I, 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 you know, I think it's safe to say there's probably a lot of people who don't like Elton John, but love Saturday Night's All Right for Fight. You know, yeah, it's it's such an iconic song. It's amazing. Uh, fuck yeah, you know, fuck yeah. But then, you know, unfortunately, this is the double album, and it goes from Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting to Roy Rogers. Oh dear. Uh, wow. Uh, wow. What a like, like stop it dead in its tracks. Uh, Roy Rogers does nothing for me. Nothing for me. And in fact, I mean, I don't know if it's because Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting is such an amazing song that it makes us sound worse. But there could, you know, it could be a valid point because. This song is nowhere near that. Uh, the best thing I can say about Roy Rogers is uh, I like he wrote a, 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 a sequel to this song that was on the next album, Caribou, and it was called Trigger Please. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Roy Rogers. Uh, wow. Talk about something that doesn't need to be on the album. That's this. Uh, it, 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 it's so bad. To me... I honestly gotta think. I gotta, I gotta look at the previous songs, and I think this is worse than fucking Jamaica Jerkoff. What do you think about Roy Rogers? <laughs> uh, well, I can definitely say it's nowhere near Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting. That I can agree on. Wow. Um. Uh. I don't think it's terrible, but I think it's. I think it's on the wrong part of the album. I think. It's on the wrong side because I think it should have been moved maybe to uh, side two or side three of these LPs. I, I think it's in the wrong spot. I, I, I think this should be on an album by Bread. I, I don't know. It's ooh, I, I, I mean, it's like, to me, it's all right. But, you know, I'm kind of on the fence on putting it as like putting on the actual album it's kind of one of those songs where i really have to think about it because i don't think it's necessarily the worst thing or or terrible or anything 
But I, I think it just suffers from the placement uh, on the actual album because... Wow. I, I think if I've learned anything by this episode, it's how much you really hate Jamaica Jerkoff. That you, <laughs> you won't you won't even you won't even put it in that category. That's how much you hate that song. I, I'm sorry, but I don't like it at all. Oh no, no, I, I no, I, I get that, but it, oh my god, oh boy. All right, uh, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean. Roy Rogers is a song that I, you know, I kind of have the same feeling about it as you have about Candle in the Wind. Uh, in the sense that I, it's not for me. I'm not a fan of the song, but I see what they were trying to do. Right. And it, and it works in the sense that, right. well, it, it's, it's well-structured and it's, you know, good in that sense, but it's not my type of song, if that makes sense. Right. So, I mean, I respect it enough to say that it's, you know, it works, but it's not for me. So, I don't know. It's just, maybe I'm being too diplomatic with it, but it's just, it's not my, it's definitely not my favorite song off the album. And it'd be one of those songs where I would question putting it on the actual album. If I wanted to make this album the absolute best album of Elton John or the the best version of Goodbye Elbrick Road. I would question that. And maybe one or two other songs I would kind of be on the fence with. This would be one of them. All but, right. Well, well, what do you think of the next one? Social Disease. Ah, uh, sucks. Um, it's, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, again, that this can tie for Jamaica Jerkoff is the worst song. Um, oh, I, I never liked it at all, really. I think it's, you know, it doesn't fit on the album. It's just not not for me at all. And it's just, you know, it's just, I don't know. It does nothing for me. It It's right in the same tier. I don't know if it's worse than Jamaica Drug Oh, but it's, I would say it's tied. No, no, I could flip a coin and, and determine if, if it's Jamaica or social disease that's worse. But, yeah, I would say... If it's not Jamaica Jerk Off, this is the worst track off the album by far. I mean, I will take Song Has No Title, See That Moving To, uh, and even Roy, I'll take Roy Rodgers over this. Wow. Uh, so yeah, Social Disease ties for the worst for me. I do not like it. How wow. about you? Uh, favorite track on the album. You, I'm, you like I'm, this? I'm, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm like, no, why this, did my heart stop over yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, no, no. This is a piece <laughs> of shit. No. I'll thank fucking God. Oh, God. Social disease sucks. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, and, and again, that's what I'm saying. Uh, man, if this was a single album and you you took away shit like this, you know, and, and some of these borderline songs. This really could be the greatest Elton album of all time. Um, you know, but I, I, I think that's an issue with uh, Elton had so many great songs, so many albums in the 70s. Um, but back then it was like, you know, just put it out. Just, just give me product. That if you trim some of this stuff, uh, 
I, I mean, it would be unbeatable because, I mean, seriously, look, look at the songs that you have on this album. And if you took away the songs you don't like and even the songs you're kind of like on the fence about, if you took those off, I mean, look at just the, the, the sheer number of fucking hits on Perfect. Okay. Uh, Funeral for a Friend. Uh, Love Lies Bleeding. Candle in the Wind, even though I don't like it. I understand it. Uh, Benny the Jets, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Gray Seal, um, Saturday Night's Alright for Fight, Sweet Painted Land. I mean, all these songs. You, you, If you cut this down to a 10-song album, it would be damn near unbeatable. It would be fucking flawless. But you have social disease, which evens that shit all out. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay, this is just a piss poor double album. Um, yeah, what? Uh, don't get this one at all. Definitely one of the worst tracks. But you end it with harmony, and uh, I'm kind of on the fence with harmony. Harmony reminds me of I've seen that movie too. Uh, I like it more musically. Then I like it lyrically. Uh, it has a melancholy feel. Um, I, I think it, you know that kind of track is a good one to end the album. But I don't think it's that. I don't think it's necessarily a strong track. But you know, it's it. You know, th- there's definitely other shit on this album that is worse. But it does have that melancholy feel that kind of like okay it's a nice crescendo way to end the album it's this but it's not the strongest track but it's not as offensive as like a social disease to me or Roy Rogers or Jamaican jerk off but you know if if, if you want to do like a, a you know a ballad to end the end the record it's not a candle in the wind or a fucking Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Uh, but it's better than a lot of other shit. What do you think? Uh, a relief. Um, yeah, Harmony is great. Um, and it's a million times better than the previous song, for sure. And, you know, I appreciate it for what it is. It's not the most complex song. You know, and lyrically, it's pretty... You know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Nothing... You know, real uh, outlandish or crazy. Uh, But, you know, it does its job. And it's a pleasant listen. It's quite a good song, at least for me. And it's a, uh, you know, it's a very solid song. And I'd keep it on the album. I'm not on the fence about this. Yeah, well, well, no, no, no. I I wouldn't take this off the album. No, no, I, definitely. I, you know, I, if I gave that impression, I wouldn't take this off the album. Uh, but you know, I, I do think there's stronger tracks. Oh but yeah, I, oh I agree. Oh I agree. But but I, I think it has a good feel to end the album proper. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, wonder if there's harmony after listening to Social Disease. <laughs> Maybe that's the test. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, uh, one thing we got to talk about, and this is something uh, I messaged uh, 
uh, Greg about earlier. I was like, well, what what version do you have? Because you know that that ends the proper version, but there was the the 30th anniversary edition, which was the first one that I bought. Now there's a you know a deluxe 40th anniversary that has even more shit. But uh, Greg and I both had the 30th anniversary edition, which adds four more tracks. And the first track is Whenever You're Ready, uh, We'll Go Steady Again. And it was the B-side of Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. And shit, I got to look at my uh, my notes for this one because I already forgot it. Um, okay, I wrote, uh, next, there's a reason this is a B-side. So apparently this one didn't jump out and grab me. Uh, what do you think of this song? Um, it's all right. I, it's not, you know, it's definitely better than some of the tracks on the album. But I definitely, if I wanted to make the ultimate version of the album, I would keep it off and put it, you know, keep it as a B-side. But it's a, it's a non-offensive kind of a bluesy rocker. And it, it's Okay. I mean, it's nothing amazing, nothing special, but it's solid, and it's it's okay. I mean, it doesn't really stand out for me, but I I, I will take it over three or four tracks off of the actual album. So I mean, it's okay for me. All right. Well, then we go to the next song, Jack Rabbit. I really hated this fucking song. Uh, and this, again, was a B-side uh, to Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. And god damn, this is probably <laughs> one of the worst Elton John songs I've ever heard. This is not a B-side, this is a Z-side. And, you know, borderline LMNOP. Uh, <laughs> Jackrabbit did nothing for me. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I I'm not really a fan overall. I mean, it's it, it you know it's country influence. It's it's influenced by Bernie's upbringing, but it's just you know it's it's a definite throwaway. That's a horrible thing to say about Bernie's upbringing. I I know, but, but that's uh. You know, it was inspired by his upbringing, but I mean, I could see why someone would get offended if I said that. Because, yeah, it is a throwaway track. Not a fan whatsoever. But it does have something going for it that the previous B-side, you know, doesn't have or some of the tracks off of the album. It's less than two minutes. So it's over. Yeah. And so it's over and done out of the way. Um, Well, you you got a point there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, then we got Screw You, Young Man's Blues, the B-side to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. This song I actually like. Uh, you know, not a standout track, but I would say there's like five other songs I would rather take off this album and put this one on. Um uh, not great, not horrible, but better than some other shit on here. I really didn't mind Screw You. What do you think? 
Uh, kind of conflicted because I have a similar view to you on it, but you know, and it's weird because I do find this song to be out of the four uh, bonus tracks, it's the best one by far. Uh, the first one is okay, the second one's bad, and I don't care for it. this one. Is legitimately one where I'm like, you know what, this one's good. You know, it's not outstanding. It doesn't measure up to, you know, a lot of the amazing material on the album. But, but I will take it over all the bad songs and maybe the stuff like I've seen that movie too and and uh, <clears throat> song has no title. If it was on the album proper, I would probably rank it. You know against the other songs it would be probably a mid-tier song but it would make the cut for me album wise but it'd be one of those songs where it'd be kind of on the, the lesser end but it would still be a fine song it would be kind of like the killer filler works for the album type but it's fine it's you know it's a valid song it works for the album you know that so I'd be okay with this one. This is the only one out of the bonus tracks where I, I can say that I'd be okay with it being on the album proper because I can't say the same thing for the la for the next song and the last one. All right. Well, we, we agree there. And uh, the last song is uh, an acoustic version of uh, Candle in the Wind. The, the 2003 acoustic remix version. Uh, again, I, I, have, I have prejudice here because I never, ever liked this song. Uh, like, like I said earlier, even before the whole, you know, Princess Diana thing. Just not a favorite song of mine. But again, I... I get why people like it. I, I I equate Candle in the Wind to uh, Rush's uh, Closer to the Heart. Cannot stand Closer to the Heart. But I understand why people like it. I understand while it's a hit, but it's just never grabbed me. I find it like ponderous and just like too playing it safe and doing that. But, uh, you know, I get why people like it, but it just does nothing for me. Uh, that's how I am with this. And an acoustic version does nothing to change that for me. Uh, yeah. Ugh. What do you think of this version? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's basically taking the acoustic guitar part in the song and isolating it from the other instruments. So you're just having... You know, Elton and the uh, acoustic guitar, which, I mean, it, you know, it's not, it's something that I can't quite go in terms of the direction, like, if I like it or not. I mean, because I love the song, personally, but if, for me, I, you know, it doesn't really do much for me, but I've seen people really like this version of it where it's acoustic and I'm like okay I, I can I get that but it's not the version I want to listen to if I want to hear Candle if I want to hear Candle I want to hear either the album version or Elton solo playing the piano doing it right if if 
If the bonus track was Elton and the piano only, then I'd be much more on board with it. But for me, just hearing it like that, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's not my version. And and the fucked up thing is like like you know for a person like me who loves Elton John, but you know cannot stand this song. Uh, this has been a hit three times really, because the initial version was a hit, and then before Lady Die passed away, uh, when he released that live in Australia album, it was a single. Yes, it was. And, and it was released as a single again and and received so much airplay. And then, of course, you know, when, when Lady Diana passed away, you know, it took on a whole new life. So, like, three times I've had to suffer through a song I'm not a fan of. <laughs> uh, you know, but it is what it is. But you know what? God damn it. It's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It's a fucking amazing album. Um... Uh, this is the best-selling studio album by Elton John. Um, but yeah, there's something I'm very confused upon, and and maybe you might know something I don't, Greg, uh, besides what a man tastes like. Um, th- this album is, is considered eight times platinum. Mm-hmm. But I've... I, I've I've heard that when an album is a double album, uh, they double the sales. So is this honestly an eight times platinum album, or is it a four time platinum album that they consider eight times because it's a double album? Um, I I believe the the eight million certification is correct because if that were the case, you would get like some skewed number. Okay, well, no, because I've I've heard that with box sets and and different stuff and greatest hits collections, that that the number was doubled because of it being a double album, which I think is, is a that's a bad statistic. It should be an overall sales, uh, but I I didn't know if I was correct on that or not. You, you know what I mean though? Is because you know there's there's lots of different classifications. Like sometimes. An album is certified by how many albums was shipped. You know, like you used to hear that, you know, like like a band would get big. Uh, you know, like a prime example is like, you know, the Kiss solo albums. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was certified this right off the bat because that's how much people ordered. But it wasn't necessarily how much it sold. You know, like, like Music from the Elder was shipped five copies. But only three of them sold, you know, and <laughs> yeah. two two of those were to Gene Simmons' mother. So mm-hmm. you know, there's always skewed, uh, you know, numbers. But uh, but I, I think it's safe to say this is his best-selling studio album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That that's true. Okay, and and, and for good reasons. I mean, it's a great album. It's not my favorite Elton John album. But it, it, it certainly does have, uh, you know, some of my favorite songs. So, there you go. It was released, uh, let me get up there, October 5th, 1973. Before I was even born. So, I definitely know it's before you were born. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, when were you born, by the way, Greg? 90. I was born in 90. Oh, my God. You are two years younger than my son. That is insane. God damn, do I feel old. But you know what? You have incredible music taste. So, uh... Well, I, I try. <laughs> you, you, must have, you must have pretty good... Do you attribute your, uh, your taste to your parents? Did your parents help you out, or did you discover a lot of this on your own? Oh, they they were they were a massive help. My uh, my dad still plays guitar and plays in you know you know cover bands and plays country music. And he he introduced me to you know ours. He introduced me to the Rolling Stones, Dwight Yoakam. He, he introduced me. He showed me his vinyl record collection. And so yeah, I I would say my parents have helped me out in terms of kind of introducing me to certain artists in music. Um, and then, you know, I found out other things on my own or, you know, through other people or even through uh, uh, my history of rock and roll teacher going all the way back to 2005, 2006. So it was a variety of factors. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of Elton John, uh, you know, my, my dad, has a couple of his vinyl records. Uh, Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player, and Goodbye Elbrick Road are the two. And yeah. my mother has Too Low for Zero on cassette. So, I mean, yeah, I was introduced to some of the stuff through my parents, and then some of the other stuff I found either on my own or other people kind of showed me this stuff. That's awesome. Uh... You know, you know, I, I I relished what my dad loved. You know, with the hard rock and the classic rock. Uh, you know, my mom was very much of the, uh, you know, the the pop audience. You know, she loved you know, the monkeys and Hollow Notes and, uh, but you know, I like Elton John. I think I got into, uh, I I bought a solo album from Bernie Taupin called. Don't shoot me! I wrote Jamaican Jerk Off. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good album. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that that's how I discovered my love there. But uh, no, I I think that's great. Somebody as young as you, um, you know that that respects the classics uh, and still keeps an open mind, and that's incredible, man. And uh, really, really makes me feel good about you know younger people and music and. That, that that there there is an audience for younger people, you know, that that are discovering, you know, in, in a time that's so like plastic and soulless, you know, y- you look back and find stuff that enhances your life, and that's fucking amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's like what I love about music is, you know, music knows no boundaries. Uh, and it's there's so many different types of it, so many different genres, so many so many different factors, and you know there's so many different varieties of it that you know there's something for everybody. Um, right. You know you can you can take you know all these different genres. You can take you know a hard rock band, a soft rock band, you know adult contemporary, uh, classical, uh, rap. Uh, 
world beat music, uh, anything. And, you know, as long as there's an audience and as long as what those uh, uh, musical genres are accomplishing are relevant, then there's something for everybody. And so music knows no boundaries. And with today's technology, it's like there's so many different ways to do things and and it's incredible what music technology can do nowadays well you know it, it reminds me of your autobiography there is no wrong hole um you know thanks music is limitless and i, I want to do something this week um uh, you know as i talked about earlier in the show the rock and metal combat podcast is effectively come to an end but i am honoring all the the fan paid episodes that's going to be the end of the road and i'm moving on to my new show um and and something i want you know because there's things i'm going to take from rock and metal combat podcast that are going to go into the new show but in different elements and uh something i'm definitely taking but i'm going to do a little twist on uh, is pick of the week and something I want to do with the new show is uh, you know something old something new uh, you know I want to do multiple picks of the week I want to do something you know old to you know honor the past but something new to give you know something within the last like 10 20 years uh, you know because you know the music we listen to you know you can say 10 20 years that's not new but compared to most of the stuff we talk about, it's ancient history. You know, like this album, you know, fucking a whole, gen- you know, multi-generations before you were even born. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to do, as, as a pick of the week, you know, give, give me a classic album you love and give me something uh, that's relatively new that's reached out to you and, uh, you know, excited you. So give me two picks of the week. What do you got? Oh, well, starting with the kind of like the older stuff, the classic stuff. uh, It's a it's a band that I've always liked, but I knew like a variety of songs from never really like a full album. Just like I know a song here on this album. I know a whole bunch of singles and stuff, but I really started really paying attention to their work and I got this album because I checked out a few tracks besides the hit off it and, and I fell in love with it. Uh, the band is Toto ha! <laughs> and the uh, the album is their uh, self-titled debut, Toto. Uh, is that guy hold the line? Uh, that that album I love, does, I love does that song. That, this album has hold the lineup, but there are so many amazing songs. It has I'll Supply the Love. It has the great instrumental that starts off the album, uh, Child's Anthem. It's got probably my favorite total song of all time on there, Goodbye, uh, Girl Goodbye, that starts off the second side. Uh, 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 Georgie Porgy's awesome. Uh, uh, rock Maker. It's an awesome album, and it's like, yeah, I know Toto has Africa, and that's a great song, and Rosanna's great, but man, you gotta check out this debut album they've done. They, it's a mix of 
hard rock, progressive rock, and R&B, soul, and jazz fusion all thrown into a blender. Uh, and Steve Lukather is such an amazing. Oh artist. well, I mean, I mean, all the artists in Toto were like amazing session musicians, you know, like you know the Picardo Brothers and stuff, and. Uh, so I, I, I do need to check that. that. That's funny. That's one of those bands I don't have their discography. Uh, I think I might have like a Toto's Greatest Hits. But, you know, I think of all these like shitty bands that I have their discography that I shouldn't have. <laughs> and, 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 and Toto is one I, I should check out. So I will definitely check that out because they are incredible musicians. So that, that that's and, and I love Hold the Line. But uh, I want to check out the other shit. Well, what's a newer album that you like, or, or newer artist? Oh, uh, newer, newer artist. Um, well, <clears throat> I'm gonna kind of cheat on, on this because the artist in question is an older artist, but he has a recent album that that he did not too long ago. Uh. From right uh, from 2018. Okay. Um, What's that? Uh, it's Paul McCartney's Egypt Station. Nice. I haven't checked that one out yet. I, I I've got it, but I haven't listened to it. Yeah. Um. It's it's very unique because it's a it's a very you know it's a very different sound the album compared to even the the album before that new. Right. It's very, uh, you know, it's got some experimental edges to it. It's, it's got, you know, a kind of like some Beatlesque sort of sounds to it. To me, it's a, it's a really solid record. Is it his best record? I don't think so. But for a guy who's, you know, in his mid to late seventies. You know, still putting out new material. I mean, to right. me, it's, it's a solid record, mm-hmm. and it's one. To me, it's it's an album that, it at least for me, I don't know about you or anyone else, but it 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 doesn't need just one listen. It's a it's to me it was a, it's like a grower album, and it takes multiple listens to sort of kind of really feel the album and get into it. But once you do. It, it's just, it's great. I mean, it, for for a guy who's, you know, at that age, still putting out to me some decent material. I mean, it's great. And give it a give it a good listen. All right. Well, awesome. Those are some great picks. All right. Well, my picks, uh, you know, for something old, something new. I'm, I'm going to talk about the artist we were talking about today, which is Elton John. And uh, I think it's just an amazing album uh, with different styles, but a very cohesive album uh, by Elton John is Madman Across the Water. Oh. Uh, I mean, the, the title track, oh my God, one of the, the greatest things he ever put out. And, 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 and without even that, then you have Tiny Dancer, you know, uh, or Tony Danza. <laughs> uh, wh- whatever uh, just an amazing song but Levon is on there Razor Face uh, you know Rotten Peaches 
you know, all the na- there's some great songs on there. That that album. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, out of, out of all of Elton's records, uh, that is that album right there, Mad Men, is my favorite Elton record. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's it's amazing, and you know, there's other great. You know, albums from that earlier. I mean, Tumbleweed Connection is a very strong album. You can't go wrong with that one either. Mm-hmm. You know, Honky Chateau, Don't Shoot Me. I mean, there's some great ones. But out of that early era, you know, what I consider like the first era of Elton, uh, Madman Across the Water. Just fucking amazing. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, and that album, Madman, has my. Uh has potentially my favorite Elton song on it. So, um, you know, it's a very special album for me. And, you know, as much as I like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and and, and stuff, but to me, Madman is my favorite record he's done. Because I wouldn't change a thing about it. Yeah, no, it's fucking great. Highly recommend everybody check that out. And uh, as far as my something new, uh, this is a band, they're new to me. Uh, Just came across this the other day on the internet. I like the description that I heard. Uh, You know, sometimes, a lot of times I I check stuff out on the internet. It's, you know, because of, okay, what genre? Okay, I like that shit. You know, this band was kind of categorized and you, and you gotta watch this shit the way people categorize a band because it's very simple to call somebody you know something they're not or to lump them in with another you know genre or era uh, but this was considered like you know uh, psychedelic or you know desert rock kind of shit you know that that's right up my fucking alley uh, but this band is called Liquid Visions and they're a German band and I believe they started in the mid to late 80s and they broke up by the early 2000s. Uh, and I think they have like like five albums and one is a compilation. But just amazing fucking like psychedelic rock. Uh, you know, if you like Pink Floyd very much in that... In that I, I don't know, I... I I can see fans of Pink Floyd liking them, but I wouldn't necessarily call them like a Pink Floyd clone or anything like that, but they've got those eras, but they also, uh, but they got like a, a rock vibe to them too, uh, but they have an album called Hypnotize that I think is absolutely fantastic. I think that came out in late 90s or the 2000s. Just a really cool band I think people should check out, you know, especially people from the States that don't have a lot of, uh, you know, you're not hearing German psychedelia, you know, on your drive home <laughs> on American <laughs> radio, uh, you know, and you're, you're not seeing it on MTV in between uh, 16 and pregnant, you know, so uh, good chances, you know, this went between the cracks. And uh, I, I know we have listeners in Germany and all over Europe. Maybe, uh, you know, a lot of the European audiences that are a lot more hipper uh, already know of this band. But for people in America, you know, here in the colonies, uh, check out Liquid Visions. Uh, the album I'm recommending is Hypnotized. 
I really think you'll dig it. And uh, I, I, I love spreading, you know, you know, new music to new people. Check it out. Those are my picks of the week. All right. Well, there you go. We talked about the album. We talked about our picks of the week. Now it's time to go into fan of the week. And the fan of the week is with us, Mr. Greg Barnes. You have been a very huge part of this show. Uh, you know, you even started your own podcast because of this show. Um, how did you come across the Rock and Metal Combat podcast? Well, uh, several years ago, I first saw uh, Ralph do his reviews on YouTube under the uh, the Almost Human 56 channel. I saw a bunch of his uh, reviews on the Kiss album. So that, that's how I got introduced to him and his style. And I and I subscribed to to his stuff and just continued to follow his channel. And then on Facebook, I see this group pop up and you know kind of followed his projects and kind of started my uh, love affair with the podcast. Uh, so that, that's, that's you know, awesome. kind of a kind of a standard story, but you know that that's what happened. No, and and that and that's awesome, man. And it, it doesn't matter, like you know. Wherever Ralph and I are at in this stage in our lives, man, so many people have come here because of the awesome shit that Ralph did, and I'll never take anything away from what he does, because he's awesome at what he does, and it brought so many people here, and, uh, you know, and that that's what it's all about. It don't matter how you got here, it's how you got here, you know what I mean? You got here, and uh, Greg, you, you've been just an amazing part of this family. Uh, you know, so many fun episodes you've been on. I, I love, even though I hate the album, I love the episode we did on uh, Innuendo by Queen. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that, was, that was a good one. That was a oh, fun one. Yeah, I think that's a shitty album, but that was a fun episode. And uh, I'm so proud of what you achieved with Ironcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Ironcast was a very strong podcast. I think you and Mr. T and Luke, um, you know, you had a really good chemistry. You know, you were all three very different people uh, and, and, and just had a great sense of humor. And, you know, you took what you, you, you picked up from us and you did your own take on it. And uh, I, I miss that show, man. Is there any chance... In the future, of more Ironcast episodes. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a blank because I don't know what will happen because we've we've been on that extended hiatus, ending the the podcast since uh, you know 2017. You know, just because of scheduling issues and stuff. Uh, I would, you know, if, if it, you know, if, if it was all roses and it was my utopia, I would love to do a reunion episode with them and just, you know, kind of like get together again and do a one-off. It would, it would absolutely be fun. And well, well I, I mean, it, it's like, you know, I, I, I still see you online. I still talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still talk to Mr. T. Mr. T is going to be on some future final episodes of Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Uh, it, it seems like the real, uh, 
you know, the missing link is Luke. I haven't talked to Luke in a long... Do you still have any contact with Luke? Yeah, we, yeah, we still keep in contact. We're in a group message, so right. we're always seeing each other's posts, and we're always replying, so all three of us are still in contact. Okay, so Luke is still English? He still he's, lives in England and he's, stuff? He's, he still lives, in, he still lives okay. in England. He's still English. He still has his great accent. Uh, still speaks English. Uh, still, he's still, you know, king of the bear community over there. So we're all, uh, you know, we're all good. Everything's all good. Uh, it's just, you know, three different parts of the globe, three different countries, three different lifestyle schedules. Right. Uh, but yeah, as far as I know, everything's good. There's no animosity, and you know, it's a shame Ironcast, you know, ended prematurely due to the scheduling, but. You know, we had fun, and all I have are happy memories. Uh, well, I, I I love that show, and I was very proud, to, you know, to guest on an episode. And uh, you know, hey, if if you ever want to revise it and you can't find Luke, you know, I'll do it like a piss poor English <laughs> accent. You know, like like say, Governor, put out my knickers and stick your willy in me bum. You know, and uh, you know, this is a shitty Bon Jovi album. You know. I, I I could do that, you know. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold auditions, uh, but um... yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's like don't quit your day job. <laughs> nah, it's not, I mean it's like, you know, I've been on the fence about, you know, what what, what to do really with um, myself in terms of, you know, reviewing albums and stuff because you know I love, you know, guesting on you know, other podcasts and I'm all for, you know, doing something like that. And I love doing my album reviews, you know, on my Elton channel with, you know, with my colleague in, in the Netherlands. But, you know, I, I have that, still have that bite and I still uh, have that drive to do a, a podcast, you know, it, it flares up every now and then. And I, you know, think about, things but then i can't commit so it's like should i do it or should i not because i have the drive to talk about music all the time right but when you when you call somebody you're like hey i want to talk about the elton john album leather jackets and everybody's like no (laughs) Uh, yeah i i had to review that uh you know two and a half years ago that was uh oh my god you actually did an episode on that yeah i did i even paid tribute uh, to the album because uh, have oh you seen, holy shit! Have you seen the inside cover of it where Elton's all dressed in this like leather outfit and you know? No, no, I haven't because I'm a straight male and I've never bought that album. Well, well, uh, well here's the thing: as, as an Elton fan and having to do that, I had to get the album, Ooh. and and yeah, I paid tribute to it by you know, I, I looked like a village uh, people reject. But, um, but it was like, it was, it was a fun episode. I was, you know, wired on that, uh, review and, you know, it it was a very interesting episode and I don't, I don't know who was more pained to do it myself or my colleague, but, (laughs) uh, but we review so far, we've reviewed all the albums starting from empty sky all the way up to, uh, sleeping with the past. We're going to. We're going to revive the series 
in a couple of months and, and restart it with the one. And we're going to do all the studio albums up to that point. And, you know, just just by remembering what I said on the uh, Goodbye Elbrick Road review, then compared to now, uh, yeah, my uh, tune has changed on quite a few songs as I got a little uh, older and you know got the hair out of my ears. But well, I'll uh, tell you when you, when you make it up to songs from the West Coast, I would love to guest on that. Oh, that'd be yeah, uh, that'd, that'd be interesting. Is that the album you were talking about earlier that you know they you really like and would? put it up against the 70s stuff oh oh yeah oh man when i heard i want love i was like now this is like the elton i know and love you know it was like a step away from the you know the lion king shit and all that stuff you know uh i i, I want love to me is vintage elton john and bernie talpin Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's easily my favorite album he's done in this century. By oh, far, yeah, yeah, by yeah. Far. Yeah, I mean, it just, I, I don't know, musically, lyrically, uh, I mean, I mean, that's a song. I, I listened to that, you know, I, 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 I text you. I said, okay, well, I'm done listening to the album and doing my notes, and now I'm going to listen to some of my favorite Elton John songs, you know, that aren't on this album. And, uh, that that song brings tears to my eye every time I but in the best possible way. I just think it, it's it's so beautiful and so just amazing songwriting and shit. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean I mean that that album is just it's so consistent and it's a uh you know, I I would say uh, you know, not only is it's his best record in this century, but I would say it's the best album he's done in years and years. Probably, oh, if I were to go back, Blue uh, Movies. No, I actually would prefer that over Blue Moves. Uh, Blue Moves, I mean. Um, I, I would say, you know, there, there, there's three. There's there's some albums in the '80s he's done that are really solid front to back. I mean, I mean there's some throwaway albums like you know like Leather Jackets. <laughs> um, Ice on Fire isn't too hot either. It has a you know a couple tracks that I wish he never recorded, but he did. Um, you know there there's some solid albums he did in the '80s. Like The Fox is a fucking amazing album. It's it's it was released in eighty one. There's some songs he recorded in like seventy nine, eighty, and then they were used on that album. But there's a lot of great songs on the Fox. Two O for Zero is right, a really right. solid album. But but to me, songs from the from the West Coast was really a throwback to the seventies era. Yeah, it sounds like vintage Elton meets modern Elton, and then it takes right. the best of both worlds, and you have. Uh, this rock solid album, you know, I, I would put it, you know, easily in my top 10 Elton albums and I would rank it among, you know, I like it better than like half the seventies albums. Oh, it, it is very strong. Alrighty. Well, man, thank you so much, Greg. You are a legendary guest on this show and, uh, a legendary fan. I'm so thankful, uh, 
to have you in my life, brother, and to have you as a friend, have you as a guest, and uh, to, to start off, what is the end of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast? Um, again, I know it's going to be weird, you know, not having Ralph here, but I have no say in that, uh, and we're going to keep going through these uh guest episodes you know the the fan paid episodes and you know thank you so much for your donation what you did for us uh you know because ralph and i never would have made it to the rock and pot expos without you and the rock and pot expos in themselves never would have made it financially uh you know without the donations of our listeners and that's why i'm gonna do what i what i'm doing even though it's you know, it's weird, but uh, thank you for helping me honor the legacy of this show and, and, and what it stands for. And uh, I thank you very much, brother. Oh, no problem. I mean, I'll do what I can do. And, you know, I, I, I love guesting on, on the show and, you know, just to talk about music. And there, there's one thing that I just thought of that we could do on this episode that's related to the album that you know because we were touching upon it during the review um you know how we were saying we would trim songs off and you'd say you'd make it a single album and right everything say you were in control of this album on what songs would be on there what would you take off the album and uh what would be your perfect goodbye yellow brick road record Oh shit! Okay, uh, I can tell. I can tell you what mine is, but I'll I'll let you go first. All right. Uh, let me look at it real quick. Uh, even though I hate it, I can't take off "Candle in the Wind." Um, Good man. <laughs> I, yeah. I I I would take off. Ooh, even this song that has no title, I think I would probably leave on. But I'd take off. Jamaican jerk off, uh, ba- the ballad of Danny Bailey. Uh, I would take off Dirty Girl. I would take off uh, Your Sister Can't Twist. I'd take off Roy Rogers and Social Disease. All right. Um, for me, at a bare minimum, bare minimum for me, I would take off Social Disease. Uh, Dirty Little Girl and Jamaica Jerk Off. That would be the bare minimum. Yeah, that, but you got to take off. You got to take off a little bit more if you're going to make true. it a single album, though. True, but true, but um, if I wanted, but if I wanted to make the perfect Goodbye Yellow Brick Road with, you know, no weak songs, no killer filler, no, it's okay, just. Solid songs. Uh, I I would take off seven songs and okay. ten tracks. I will tell you the tracks that I would keep. Right. Uh, and I will not substitute anything on the B side. So this is strictly what it's going to be. It's going to be ten tracks, uh, less than fifty minutes. Okay. So here it is: Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding, Candle, Benny. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, Gray Seal, Sweet Painted Lady, The Ballad of Danny Bailey, 
All the Girls Love Alice, Saturday Night, It's Alright for Fighting, and Harmony. Nice. So, And as a B-side, I'd put in Ace of Spades. Oh, there you go. And if I wanted some wiggle room, I would, um, you know, I would put maybe Screw You in as like a, you know, bonus track or maybe put it on the album just to maybe if I needed one more song. But if I was restricted to just the main album, no B-sides or anything, those would be the 10 tracks. And all the other songs I would either throw out or put them on uh, B-sides or outtakes. Awesome. Well, that, that that's a great pick, and it sounds better than mine. And God damn it, I'm going to drink more and listen to Elton John the rest of the night, thanks well, to you. Hey, you know what? That's the right thing to do. Because... And, uh, <laughs> man, I, 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 thank you, I thank you so much for picking this one. Uh, and I know this is an artist you're very passionate about. Uh, you know, an artist I love and God damn it. Unfortunately, uh, this is album Ralph loved. I know he wanted to talk about, but shit happens. Uh, we're doing the countdown to the end and I think this is a hell of a way to start it off, man. So thank you so much. And, uh, it's very worth mentioning that, uh, uh, Greg's going to be editing this episode because I have no idea how to do all that shit. That was all Ralph. <laughs> so, so, uh, Greg is going to be helping me edit this episode and put it up. And, uh, hopefully a couple days after we, uh, record this, we'll be able to put it up for you all. And, uh, I want to thank you so much for everything you've done for being a loyal listener. Uh, and, and most of all for being a friend. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so glad through this, uh, podcast that I've got to know you and, uh, I, I do consider you a very dear friend and somebody very important to me. I love you very much, brother. Likewise. And, uh, it was an absolute pleasure to do this episode and, uh, yeah, I, yeah, if, if schedule permits and, you know, time permits, you know, Maybe I can come back with another review of an Elton John album and and see, and see hey, where. Uh, hey, and, and if not on this on my new show, I w- I very much welcome you back and would love to have you on there. And uh, you know, we'll work it out. But if you like this episode, come back next week when uh, thanks to Lee Gersman, we talk about Chumbawamba. Hey, he paid for it. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Elton John's a homosexual, la 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 oh god, oh god, don't sit down while Elton's around, or you'll get a penis up your ass.